0: If you're 21 or older consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more you can order nicotine pouches online they ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country black buffalo tobacco alternative bold flavor full pouches warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical black buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, listen man. Uh we got a neighbor. You're not recording, sorry Phil what did he Be say he's, he he's always recording okay <laughs> I got a neighbor um I don't want to say her name their family loves sports they used to play sports the parents used to play sports yeah so for them to spend every weekend going to sports is a real treat yeah I'm not telling them not to do that that's what I'm saying I'm saying I don't want to do that you, you just because they don't want to go ice
1: fishing you start off by saying what does your parents do on the weekend yeah and then if if they're like well they sit at home and watch sports all weekend and it's like alright you're fine yeah, you, you can might, do both you might think about putting your kids in sports yeah you can
2: do both
0: who can? Spor- I can
2: sports and uh outdoor activities. No, I can't. <laughs> I well, I did. No, he's saying as <laughs> yeah. a he, Yeah, yeah. exactly. I am like... as a
3: in young individual.
2: Lots of outdoor activities and lots <sighs> think of sports.
3: I it's
0: a great podcast. It's incompatible. Talk. Here's the main thing. I have a certain bag We're of really tricks. We're really missing out here. I have a certain We're bag in. of tricks to bring to, that I, I can know. bring to the we table. We
3: need to have a whole conversation. What are you doing? I was telling Corinne to hit the record
0: button. Oh, turn the recorder back on. I have a certain bag of tricks that I can bring to the table as a parent. That that should be valued. Like, let's say, for instance, let's say, name for me a sports figure. Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, Michael Jordan comes over to spend the weekend at your house. Okay. It would make sense that if there's a basketball court and he's staying the weekend and he says, I'd love to take the kids out to shoot a few hoops, as they say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Play game of you horse. You would be
0: like, well, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, seeing as how you're Michael Jordan. Right. Sure. So if you have a person that likes to hunt and fish in the house, and you have hunting and fishing to be done around home, wouldn't you extend the same logic? Sure. Okay. You wouldn't be like, hey, everybody, Michael Jordan's here for the weekend. Let's go ice fishing.
2: Maybe you'd be like, "Hey, Michael." But he's like, no, "No, no,
0: no! I, I, I wanted to shoot some hoops with the kids." Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Take them ice fishing. <laughs> Clearly, you don't understand. It'd be stupid. That Michael
4: Jordan's actually just a degenerate gambler. That's all he'd really want to do when he was. At hey, your man! House. I
0: watched that whole movie. <laughs> Listen, I watched that. That's why I know a lot about this. <laughs> yeah, I watched have been that whole movie. Your kids. I yeah. came away from that like with deep admiration for the guy. <laughs> I did. None of that You didn't bad, come away thinking he was an asshole? No, none of that bad stuff resonated with me. That's funny. None of that bad stuff resonated with me. You're, I speaking, like, I of like,
3: the, you're speaking of the last dance. Yeah, I yeah, like all yeah.
0: that. I like all that. Playing for keeps. Yeah. Like, I like all that. All I liked all that stuff. All of it. Okay, turn around, Phil. <laughs> that was all free content for yeah. everyone. for you
3: six lucky individuals no
0: that was free no I think we should publish that as a free bonus extra yeah with no lead in just launch straight in mid-sentence free don't say we never gave you nothing free you got that it'd be
3: great if we could have Carrie here and Katie here to help tell this well then
5: it
1: would (laughs) (laughs)
3: look
5: I'm just not wasting all my weekends on that kind of shit and Carrie doesn't like
0: it when I put it that way. I almost <laughs> had to go sleep on the couch about this. <laughs> the only reason I didn't is that I kind of fell asleep, but I was laying there thinking about, you know, what I'm gonna do to really make my point. I'm gonna go sleep on the couch. <laughs> How'd that work out? Oh, I fell asleep. <laughs> So Did you,
5: you wake up sore and feeling guilty the next morning?
0: No, no, no. I'm saying I was in bed <laughs> yeah. thinking about storming out and going to the couch. Oh, <laughs> you never made it. But I fell asleep. I never got to like do. Make your point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you Have you heard Mitch Hedberg's deal about why he doesn't like camping? No. Because it's too hard to express his anger when he fights with his <laughs> like girlfriend. Like trying to slam the tent platform. <laughs> he, tries to, he, tries to ang- he tries to angrily zip the tent. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to have a bigger
5: conversation
3: about... Oh, did, we should do a did, whole... Did you, oh, yeah. Did you know that I was uh, hel- helping coach my girls' basketball team the last two months?
0: Yeah, but let me ask you this. Not on the weekends. No. See? Not on the weekends. I don't care... That's what I've told everybody. I don't care what they do. What I've been very, on the weekdays, I've been very supportive of all the kids are in swim. They swim two days a week. I'm hot, And now they're like little river otters. All of them. Very strong swimmers. They'll swim till they die. They will not play sports when they're 80. They'll still be swimming. There's
3: no way because they're not going to play play T-ball. He
0: he already quit T-ball.
3: I, yeah, but he might be you playing pickleball swimming.
1: at 80. Oh, come, that, that argument makes no sense at all. Oh, I agree, man. People shouldn't do something unless they're going to do it until they're dead. Exactly. What? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay.
5: Develop some lifelong skills. That's exactly and what I'm saying.
4: Hey, there are lifelong skills that are developed in team sports, too. We can't discount that. Very they like, much they always,
0: so. They're always telling you that. They're always telling you that. <laughs> I want you to go find, okay? I want you to go like, okay, find a way to measure cooperation. Like, uh, however you measure cooperation, then I want you to go randomly sample, r- randomly select a hundred Americans, spend a week with them, and and give them a cooperation score, and then correlate it for me. Show me the cor- the, the correlation that be like, ooh, the top scorers all wrestled in high school. I bet it's like, that study. No way. I bet toughness, that though, already If been you were done. to
2: do t- a toughness, if you were to do a toughness like test, like mentally toughness. I think that wrestling would be up there. I think do you, want to
0: have a, do you want to have a contest about who's mentally more tough out of you and me? Yeah, just I don't know. How, how do we set it up? Staring yeah, contest? A staring contest. Staring contest. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <'Kay. laughs> it Bill, turn the machine on. Scientifically <laughs> legitimate. Bill, record the, for, record yep. the staring it's, contest oh, for me and Chester. No,
2: no blinking. We don't have a baseline.
4: We Dude.
1: don't have your board. Yeah.
4: This is a riveting podcast. The, All right. Let's get yeah, down to it. That's, <laughs> that's I know you guys
0: can't see us staring at each other, but... I just, I like, if you, if the parents like it, I think that you should do it. I'm not against it. I think you should do it. I don't, what I'm against are wives or husbands. (laughs) I'm going to cut it right there. What I'm against. Wives. I'm against wives wives or husbands forcing their spouse into doing things with their kids that they hate when the big win. They want to do a different thing with their kids. I could see if he's like, I don't want to do anything. I want to sit here and be a bad parent. Yeah. Then I'd be like, Listen, that's not going to fly. Take them to basketball. But if they're like, Trucks loaded, dude. We're going camping. We're going to fish. We're going to make a fire. We're going to go look up on what's up on top of that hill. No, you can't because you got to go to t ball. Bullshit, man.
4: (laughs)
5: Total bullshit.
4: At what point does it shift though? Like if as your child ages, when they. When the child has a passion for something that, like, like what if they just really like baseball? Like, I, I do don't know you yet. Then I mean, make the sacrifice. I had I to do know.
0: a similar thing the other day. I was telling my kids about the genre of jokes called Dirty Dan. Okay. And I told them the layout of a Dirty Dan joke, where they're in class and they have and the teacher's doing the alphabet, and they do a letter, and the kid has to raise his hand and then have a word that starts with the letter and then use it in a sentence. And she's like, A, and right away, dirty Dan's hand goes up. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. But she can't call on him because he's dirty Dan. (laughs) And she knows what he's going to say. So she's like, uh, Susie. And she's like, apple. My grandmother established an apple orchard. Right. And she's like, B dirty Dan's like, Oh,
3: Oh, Oh.
0: (laughs) Right. She, but she's like, I know I can't do that. I know what he's going to (laughs) say. And she's like, Billy and he's a baseball. So as I was telling the kids, it gets to R. No one raises their hand, not even Dirty Dan. But very slowly, eventually, Dirty Dan's hand goes up. <laughs> and she's like, well, there's nothing, there's no R. There's nothing can do with R. And so she finally agrees to call on Dirty Dan. And I said, I can't tell you what Dirty Dan says, though. And I, we agreed that when they get their learner's permit to drive, I will tell them what Dirty you'll Dan says. You'll give them said. the punchline <laughs> to this joke. So now they like to speculate about what Dirty Dan says. But I was like, you'll never get you'll never guess what Dirty Dan says. Yeah. So yeah. when they get their learner's permit, if they choose to participate in weekend sports, I will consider it knowing that they're soon able to drive themselves. Yeah. And if they make it to a championship, I will probably go. <laughs> The final championship. It's
5: it's the doing something <laughs> one thing that screws up the thing for the whole family. Mm. That that the whole family oh, enjoys It for doing sure.
4: It. Like hundred percent does. Like my my brother in law is a is an ex professional athlete, and his kids are ex- like extremely into sports because David is extremely into sports. In my opinion, um, but their weekends shit their weekdays are cannibalized with. Non-stop sporting events, like it's—I don't even know how they fucking manage it. It just seems like a nightmare to me. And I like
0: sports, care about sports, but not at this level. Like so. Yeah. Oh, I just realized I can't tell the punchline because Phil, Phil. Uh, I'll tell the punchline, and just bleep, bleep out, out the parts. Okay. So Dirty Dan slowly raises his hand, and no one else raises their hand. And <laughs> the teacher's like, "There's nothing he he can totally say. It. There's nothing he can say." So Dirty Dan goes, "Rats." Big like this. <laughs> 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 and it's a double joke. It's a double joke because that's not even a sentence.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> uh, did you guys see that I'm holding this? <laughs> this is where the show's starting now. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. Meat Hunt, the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. I'm holding a new uh, red dot. That I'm gonna put on a shotgun. Um, people are gonna think this is a paid advertisement, but this is—it's not. You just have to trust me. Uh, guess what—the battery life. It's a Vortex, what's it called a Spark Solar Red Dot. Giannis just did a big video on this thing. The solar, yeah. Did you explain the battery
3: life? Yeah. Do you believe it? <clears throat> I do believe it, but you have to understand how it works properly before you spout off because it's not. Just the battery light. No, I know but it works the, in conjunction.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a red dot. With this is a solar panel, I gather. Mm-hmm. But it's like not it's it's indiscernible from a normal. I mean, it's like a little teeny bigger than a normal red dot. Yep. Uh it stays on when you turn it on. It stays on for 14 hours. Mm-hmm. If you move the gun, it comes. The light comes back on. Or you can just turn it off.
3: If you were to not move your your gun for 14 hours, it would turn off automatically. In 14 hours. So that That prevents you from
5: leaving the gun in the safe all.
0: That's right. So yeah, like, well, the other night, let me try to explain something here. (laughs) I'm like, the other night we went out. There's a thing that that I have heard works extraordinarily well and I can now attest. You sneak up to a raccoon den tree. In the dark. And set up a collar and play a coon fight.
5: Which is a crazy noise.
0: It's two raccoons, yeah. (laughs) So me and Garrett went out to a known coon den tree. And Sean Weaver was saying, when you turn that thing on, get ready. (laughs) And I thought he meant like, you know, kind of get ready. We get up to a den tree with a red light and that coon collar on and turn that coon fight on, and holy shit
5: they just came pouring out
0: one a boar. I mean he come out like there was no time to even think (laughs) and he's not only out of the hole out of the tree on the ground coming at us and I realized I hadn't turned the damn red dot on he goes back sees us goes back up gets worked up all over again and comes back down at which point I had the red dot on you're ready for him then and that got me being like, and I even said to Gary, I said, if you're using a red dot, yeah, actually, like, pay attention to what's going on. It's like the only, you know, if you like spend your whole life, you're not used to like turning your, yeah, sight on. But and and I was bitching about it, and so he put this on my desk, where as soon as you move it, and, it, and, and hunting raccoons at night obviously is different because there's no sun, but 150,000 hours of runtime. Holy shit! With the battery and the sun. You buy that, Yanni? One hundred fifty thousand hours. Gotta yeah. figure out how many days the, that is. Nah, you'd never be able to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to, yeah, you absolutely. Have to absolutely no way. You'd have to divide
6: <laughs> yes. one
0: hundred and fifty thousand by. by twenty-four. That's tough to do in yeah, you your do head. It. No one's gonna do that. Uh, it's a lot. What's Nick, the answer? Seven hundred right fifty now.
5: days. It's somewhere around seven hundred. No, wait, no. Seven thousand five. What do we got? Somebody. This is amazing.
0: Uh, that's, that's well, too yeah, much yeah, math yeah, for yeah, me. It's like listen. The, the, some the, things are just best. Johnny, we can't best do it. It's <laughs> impossible. Oh,
2: 250 two hundred and fifty days. Days. How many years is that?
0: Oh, well, now you're getting into. <laughs> divide that by three sixty five. <laughs> no, it's getting ridiculous. No, this is interesting.
5: Seventeen point one years on one battery.
0: Yeah, it's called the uh, Spark Solar Red Dot. Yeah, I've got how that on moon my turkey gun. Is that, Chester? <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, how I measure how time. Many, how many leap years, Chester? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so listen, uh, I, I want to make sure everybody. How many fort- an, nice.
3: Do you know? Everybody understands that that is up to by using like a lot of ambient, uh, you know, solar power, like,
0: like Arizona in late yeah, June. Yeah, like if you're <laughs> yeah. if,
3: if you're only hunting coons at night. Uh, it's probably going to be closer to like thirty thousand, which is uh, what the red dots that you and I both use. The Venom. Oh, that's what their battery life is. Still very impressive. Thirty thousand. So, oh
2: yeah,
4: yeah. This is like how um, EVs like range. It's like four hundred and fifty miles, and you're like, if you're driving very slow downhill the whole way, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. in on neutral. Really good. Surface. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, one more question about this thing. Uh. It's not running. Is it? Is it storing solar? Nope. Oh, so it, it's like actually like running on solar. Yes. I see. So it's just basically not so was, tapping into the
4: battery. So, thus, the battery life is a That's what surprised to me. If you're, putting the, direct, a, yeah.
0: you're putting a Joe Blow Walgreens coin battery in there. I was like, how's that?
3: Okay. Yeah, it's not running not charging on solar. It. Yeah. Hmm. Nope. Yep. Automatically, which is the cool part, right? It's just always using the solar that's available it to it if it can.
0: Okay, now that we're really starting the show, uh, joined by Kevin Gillespie. We were, we were arguing about this the other day. Do you like a ja or a guh? It's a guh. It's definitely not a ja. I don't think that's, that's what a I was like, arguing. right? Like my parents or grandparents decided it, and I don't really get to weigh in. No, because, so. well, I've had this conversation hard times with Clay. I don't think yeah. Clay knows what his last name is. What do you think his <laughs> last name is? His last name's Newcomb. Ah. You thinks it's Newcomb. I'm yeah. like it's not what your last name says. <laughs> I I think that's I think
4: that's called um regional dialect mm. accent. But you go with a guh. I yeah. was arguing yeah. for guh. And it's and it's yeah, exactly, guh. Not gill, not yeah. Gillespie. Well, I had
0: a person doing a juh. Ja.
4: Yeah. A lot of people do gil, gillespie. Like, that's what he was all, trying on me. J and a hard I. I shut that shit down hard. And then periodically people in TSA pronounce it Giuseppe, but I'm not really sure <laughs> where that's <kind> of gonna
6: <laughs> <about. laughs> So, Zeppi, that, that has,
4: like that points to larger issues not really my name being the problem I like that as a nickname though. For yeah. totally yeah, yeah. me call- and me and Zeppi. all of my Italian heritage yeah you just call me Giuseppe <laughs> man.
0: Brody Henderson hello fixing to say something divisive among the dog lovers of the world
5: oh I got something for you we'll do it later <laughs> something that came to mind the other day
0: Phil, Corinne uh, Chester the Divester is here. Midwester. Chester the Midwester. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Morrison and our very own beloved Giannis Patelis, who's going to fill Morning. us in about uh, his whole journey of discovery about heavy assed arrows. Is that a good way to put it? Oh, we can go down that rabbit hole if you'd, if you'd like. No, we'll get to it. We're going to get to it hardcore, but we got to do a few things up top. All right, got we got we to like speed demon. Speed demon through a lot of stuff because so we got a lot of stuff to get after. You guys ready? Bring it. Race, so I go. Least Here's them. one. The Meat Eater podcast is smarter than doctors. That's right. You heard it right. A guy uh, was eating some venison with his family, eating it very rare. Whole family gets sick. He gets to thinking about the symptomology, uh, lethargy, very high fever, chills, body aches, headaches. And he's like, I feel like I heard about this on the Meat Eater podcast. I think I got toxoplasmosis. Cat scratch fever. Cat scratch fever. Calls the doctor. The doctor like, you can't get that off deer meat. And he's like, you want to bet? <laughs> I learned it on the podcast. Turns out they all had toxoplasmosis. No shit. He could have died. Another guy rode in. He was in Florida, of all places, on a long run, long boat run, fishing tuna, long wet ride. Uh... All of a sudden, his body, inexplicably, is acting real weird. And he's like, this reminds me of the story I heard about the caribou hunting guide on Meteor's Close Calls audiobook. And he was able to diagnose the guy. And sure enough, the guy was having, in Florida, where you'd never expect it, his buddy had gotten his clothes too wet and was in hypothermia so bad, he became incoherent. But he recognized it. And he's like, I think I know what's happening to this guy. Huh. So if you just feel like you're sitting around with your uh, thumb in your arse right now, you're actually learning how to save lives. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you haven't if you haven't listened to those uh, close call stories, you're missing out. Um, South Dakota. This has been going
0: on for a while, but just a quick reminder. We keep talking about, uh, you know, it, it comes up all the time. Fur prices affecting, you know, meso predator populations and like raccoon and skunk prices being really low. So we're seeing this like dramatic upswing over the last few decades and meso predators and what that means for predation on duck nests and all that South Dakota. This is contentious as all get out. South Dakota is opening up a bounty program. They've been talking about it. They're doing it. Kids get their own bounty season, man, this would be great if I I would love it if I was there (laughs) with my kids Kids get an exclusive head start, period, starting on March 1st for a month. Uh, raccoons, striped skunks, badgers, opossums, and red fox, 10 bucks per tail. That's cool. Jimmy would be all over that. Oh, he'd make a killing. Participants must submit the tailbone and entire tail to receive payment. 590 bucks worth of tails per household.
5: I'd like to know why it's that number.
0: I don't know. Regular South Dakota residents, April 1 to July 1. See how they're timing it for nesting? April 1, July 1. Obviously, very contentious. It was, I should point out, just to be fair to history here, it was bounty programs intended to eliminate predators that we have to thank for the fact that we eliminated the mountain lion across 70% of its range. Sure. They destroyed be- the grizzly bear across the lower 48 removed black bears for a time across a massive part of their range. Um, uh, on no, no, and no, on no, no, and on and on. Yeah. No. And
5: modern day bounties have proven to be pretty ineffective way of dealing with coyotes.
0: hmm. So they're going out on a limb here. And as Sean pointed out in a recent duck report to do this kind of work, it has to be done in a very focused way. Like you asked me like, do does coyote control work for fawn crops, right? And researchers will tell you yes if and it has to do with when you're doing it, how you're doing it. It's done with like when when done with a high level of precision. Like timing-wise, spatially-wise, in a certain way it can have an impact. Randomly done um not as much. But looks like that's happening if I lived in a state where it was happening, if I lived in a state where they were kicking it around, I would be like, let's think about this for another second. But if I was living in a state where it did happen, I would in I wouldn't uh, I would get my kids in, into it.
5: Yeah, this particular program is yeah. Uh, I'd be I like, mean, let's take advantage great.
0: of the situation. You can make a little jingle. Okay, Brody, quick pen raised pheasants. Why the hubbub? Um
5: In Montana, there's been a a bill proposed by a politician, a a state representative, uh, HB 637, which includes some, like, other stuff that people are pretty fired up about. But what we're focused on here is uh, the proposal to spend $1 million to stock pen-raised pheasants, you know, around Montana. From the state
0: prison. That's right. Um, And— that's a question first yeah. off. They already stock pheasants. Pe- if they didn't stock pheasants, there wouldn't be pheasants here. They're from China.
5: Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this is would be a program to go and release. I, I don't know how many pheasants. I'm assuming a million dollars will get you quite a few of them. Um, half of the money would come from license sales and half from Pittman Robinson Robertson funds, which
0: is how that stuff generally works. Like that usually comes as matching funds. Right.
5: So that that's like money that's already been earmarked for FWP for wildlife conservation, hunting and fishing, you know, improvements, things like that, access. Um, and the this proposal is to take a million a million bucks and and start a pen raised bird release program in Montana.
0: Like not meant to establish a population, but just to put birds on the ground put for more people to there. shoot.
5: A- and it's being done as it's being done to boost our three efforts mm-hmm. Um, not sure how you know releasing birds t- translates to recruiting more hunters in a state that has extremely good wild pheasant hunting extremely good pheasant or extremely good hunting for other upland species like there's what four species of grouse here Hungarian partridge so there's there's all kinds of upland opportunities that already exist so there's some questions about whether this is a a good use yeah but that stuff's
0: not easy always easy and this is easy
5: well i'm I'm I'm
0: saying that'd be the argument right
5: sure but the other argument is you're paying a million dollars to feed coyotes bobcats foxes raptors because these farm-raised birds have no survival skills so a lot of people are pretty fired up because they feel like this is, you know, a waste of money and that perhaps a better way to spend a million dollars and a better way to bring in more hunters would be to spend it on access programs or improving habitat uh where you, you know for pheasant hunting that would also benefit a whole bunch of other wildlife May, like maybe investing a million dollars is better than just flushing a million bucks down the drain with some Pen raised birds that are gonna be dead very quickly.
0: Yeah, I also think, and we've explored this in a lot of facets. I also think like considering COVID, I just don't think that that activities for to spend agency money or habitat money on things that have the sole purpose of growing hunter numbers seems unnecessary at the moment
5: well i think it, it's all it's a popular way to get it something done right because it sounds good like if, if, mm. if you're if you're if you're a politician angling to get something like this done you throw the r3 thing and it's hard to like argue against yeah that, right? but i
0: mean like why not just like put a million bucks into habitat
5: exactly which is gonna just have a long lasting benefit for yeah, all
0: hunters. but like buying, I could see it. Like I could definitely see it like buying a million bucks worth of birds to sort of like faux hunt them. Yeah. Like to kind of like have a pretend hunt.
5: It's like, it's like a see what I did for hunters kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, but I, like I, I'd like to clarify, like this isn't fish, wildlife, and parks that, that like a lot of people like to drag their state game agencies through the mud for doing shit they don't agree with. This is not that. This is a bill that's being proposed that, that FWP would then have to follow through on if it if it passes.
0: And there was a comment period that's closed and now it's whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah
5: so we'll find out hopefully. Where that on. went.
0: Yep. Uh, okay, uh, moving on. A uh, little news from New Mexico. This is good news from New Mexico. And this has been a thing that's going on for a long time. Uh, has to do with stream access. So as we all know, A lot of states, whatever. Imagine you're on a river. Take a big river where it's true everywhere. Imagine you're floating down the Mississippi River, right? As you're floating down the Mississippi River, you are not expecting that someone would run out of their house and come say, hey, you're on my land. You'd say, oh, no, I'm in the river, okay? That's like an extreme version Because we all, of course, everyone knows you can float down the Mississippi River without needing to get permission from someone. But in some states, as rivers get smaller and smaller and smaller, you get to a point where you cannot float down the river or walk along the river or whatever in the water without securing permission from the landowner. Inevitably, you will have landowners who don't like looking out their window and seeing some scruffy uh, whatever, or a bunch of people on a floating trip drinking beer, whatever, fishing, they don't want to see it. They're like, how can I own the banks but some dirt bag can float down through my property? And so they will always seek ways to reduce your stream access and to argue that unlike the Mississippi River where there's like interstate commerce happening, this isn't a commerce river. I don't want people just recreating in front of my house. I want them out of here. Um, In New Mexico, there had always been an understood stream access rule. Walk
5: in below the high water mark. Yeah,
0: be like you stay below the high water mark. You can fish, float, whatever. It always been understood, but it hadn't been like popular, properly codified into law. Now we've had Senator Martin Heinrich from New Mexico on this show to talk about this issue. It's like. It's sort of in the spirit of the law in New Mexico. It's always been understood to be true, but certain well-heeled landowners have been pushing to narrow those definitions and lock up more streams and rivers as private property for themselves. Just the other day, New Mexico's Supreme Court ruled that the states... Listen to what I'm going to say carefully. New Mexico's Supreme Court ruled that the state's game commission decision, allowing landowners to restrict access to water that flows to their property, is unconstitutional. That's a that's a hard sentence to follow. The game commission had come out and said yes. If a landowner wants to challenge stream access on their own private stream and make it the, their own private little deal, and no one can float through there or fish, they can push for that with the state. They can go to the state and ask for that exemption. The Supreme court came in and just nipped that whole conversation in the bud. They're like your decision to let people argue that is unconstitutional. So streams where you're hanging out right now, floating kayaking, canoeing, rafting, wading in the water. Um, there's been a block in the road for people looking to, uh, Cut you off of that, and and restrict access to places you have traditionally enjoyed it.
3: So now, Brody, it's like Montana, just high uh, that's, water. That's, oh, but it, I think it that's... Ha-
0: had been they were trying to find a path to make it not no, that I way. I see. Yeah, they were trying to like
3: <clears throat> this should just seal the deal for a while.
0: Yeah, and the same thing had been true. I, I don't want to get too like Montana centric right. here, but it's a great it's a great case point. Years ago, it had been understood in Montana, and some people were toying with undoing it.
5: Oh, it comes up every so often. Yeah, right?
0: and some people, like, very deliberate. there's a great story about this, because some people, you know, now and then you'll, like, push something in order to, like, push it to get to the courts? Uh, when they tested it in Montana, instead of having fishermen, they had, I think it was like they had a bunch of uh, girls from a high school go float down a river in tubes through a landowner that kept trying to get people sighted for floating down what he argued was a private stream and everybody would float the stream all the time. So like, we're not going to take it to court with fishermen. We're going to take it to court with like high school girls. The girls get in their tubes, float through the guy calls cops, cops give him a citation. It goes through and it comes out codified in law. Like like, it was codified, like as everybody understood it to be true. They just wanted to like push it to a point where it was tested in the courts. As Senator Heinrich explained, it's widely understood in New Mexico that we have open stream access, but there are people always like dicking around. Well, maybe we can try this. Well, maybe we can try that. When you look at this stuff, it always comes from a, it'd be like a wealthy person buys land. They buy a luxury property. They buy some old ranch. And the first thing on their mind is getting rid of the assholes who come floating That's through. right. It's always that way.
5: Yeah. I've got, I've got a, well, you, you know, i I got, we've got a buddy who sells large kind of, uh, Large ranches uh, and uh, those real estate agents very much against stream access because you know it's a Why lot it, easier to sell a ranch if you can say this private is all access yours. to three miles of trout yeah. river. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, it sells a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Um, back to the Montana desk. We reported about how Governor Gianforte in Montana recently got in trouble. It, it's kind of a funny story. I'll, I'll relay the story, even though we re- we covered it already. One day someone hands me, I I, I find a headline that says, Montana's governor kills a Yellowstone wolf. And I think to myself, wow, um, that is extremely surprising that our state's governor went into Yellowstone (laughs) National Park and shot a wolf. Like, you'd think he'd know better. But you read the article, and in fact, he didn't. It was on a ranch. It was on private property. Why was it a Yellowstone wolf? Because it's safe to assume that in that wolf's life, it had been on the park. And there are, there's a contingent of Americans, and they're significant, that like to think that anything that spends some part of its life in Mon- in Yellowstone National Park becomes Yellowstone's axe. And therefore, it should enjoy this sort of like de facto protection no matter where it goes. Like, it carries with it this sort of, like, this specific blessing and should be preserved forever. So, Montana's governor, Greg Gianforte, in the news again. This time, again, he's made a, a what would appear to be a horrible mistake. Yanni has the headline pulled up. Here's the headline. It's from the Climate and Environment Desk, oddly. Washington Post. Washington Post's Climate and Environment Desk. The headline is... Hounds chased a Yellowstone National Park mountain lion into a tree then Montana Governor Greg Gianforte shot it except not he was hunting on National Forest land not in the park it's like except not you uh, the, the the like I, I I don't like to say it because it became such a thing, like, the fake news shit, it's like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not, I don't run around big, fake news, fake news. But you have to have some sympathy for people who run around being fake news, fake news, because it's just not true.
3: No. It's it, not true. It, it, not at all. <laughs> it's like, how can you say that? Yeah, listen, and I am one that usually will err on the side of uh, a, a liberal news source but you'll believe. That it I will more. personally trust it more. Yeah, yeah. Huh. and and people like this, I'm not gonna. <laughs> not call, I'm not gonna call this guy <laughs> <I mean. laughs> out by his name. You can go find out who wrote it. But it's just like, man, like y- you're eroding my trust in like what I figure should be like good journalism from like, you know, the the um, key journalistic entities of our country, mm-hmm. and yet. Here he is, just like like I want to ask the guy. I wish he would come on the podcast and just be like, "Why did you write this? What was your goal here? No, yeah. why did you word it the way you worded it?" But like, yeah, well, I that's mean, the beginning. But then the the rest of it is like, what's the outcome of your article? Like what? Like are you just an anti-hunter, and you, or are you just an anti-Greg Gene yes, 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 guy? There's yes. also
6: so much that's loaded into that. Hounds chase cat up tree, as though. That doesn't happen as part of cat hunting or using hounds to oh, hunt. Oh no, there's this strong there's insinuation. There's so many elements in you there. You read that it. Are there's this a strong thought.
0: insinuation that something naughty was going on. And then it goes on to talk about how rare. Then they do a disservice by talking about like they get like park officials to talk about how rare a mountain lion sighting is. There are a lot of things that are IUCN species of least concern like globally categorized by a global wildlife organization as a species of least concern that you don't lay eyes on because of myriad reasons. How many Martins do you see? Most people will go their entire life and never lay eyes on a Martin. Why? Because they're out at night and they're secretive. (laughs) They don't even know they exist. (laughs) It's an IUCN species of least concern. But the whole, like the condemning part about this article is that these, these, Jokers from the park don't see that many lions. Tell them what you heard from actual park biologists, Yanni.
3: Why might they not be seeing a lot of lions in the park? Well, it wasn't from park biologists. It was from uh, hound handlers that help park biologists that are helping right now with the, probably the study that is, they're talking about in this article, right? They've got collared mountain lions and these hound handlers help them catch, collar, Recatch when the collars go down etc etc so they're a big part of this study but and you can read about this in a wonderful article that was written on uh the meter uh website by uh, jordan Sillers titled studies show mountain lions have unexpected predator where they're basically show, saying that like mountain lion numbers have dropped by half in like the last 10 years in the park Because wolves, not only do they uh, kill and um, they don't think they kill them to eat them, but they just kill them because they're like competition, mountain lion kittens. But that because they're um, displacing the elk out of where they used to be, where they were uh, accessible by mountain lions, being like more in the mountains, in forested areas, pushing them out into more open areas Mm -hmm. where cats do not like to spend time and, and don't go. That um, the cats are having a much harder time, you know, finding and and, and then killing their prey. Um, on top of that, the wolves steal the kills that they made, so they're getting hit like three ways. They're getting at their food's getting displaced and their food's getting stolen. Exactly by the wolves, which leads me to believe.
0: Now I, I want to clarify too, like just like as you're pointing out, I want to clarify too. I don't agree with everything that our governor does. I don't think this has anything to do with that. Mm-mm. It's just a way that stuff gets reported that's maddening to me. And it's like again and again and again. But you take this thing with like how mountain lion numbers have gone down as wolves. I'm not, and I'm not saying uh, I support wolves on the landscape. I'm not anti-wolf. But why didn't this person write an article when, when Gianforte killed a wolf? Why didn't he write an article about what a nice thing he did for mountain lions? Mm-hmm. Or all the You could have made a salacious headline. You could have taken as many liberties <laughs> and said... Uh, Montana's governor, Greg Gianforte, saves many Yellowstone National Park mountain lions. And you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And he'd read and be like, oh, he killed a wolf.
5: I'll tell you what, though. He, he, I'll tell you what, though. He should consider, like, maybe not shooting collared animals.
0: like Because it, of the attention it draws?
5: Sure. And, like, he could have walked up to that lion and said, it's got a collar on it. Maybe I should just let that one go for science purposes. Like, you know, and then go find another line. Like, I'm just playing devil's advocate.
0: Yeah. Right? They immediately reported. They immediately yeah. called a game warden. Yeah. And that, like, I'll a... point this out too. Here's why you don't really know that. Because do you remember when Florida was doing a mortality study on deer? And they had a bunch of deer running around with collars. And it was a mortality study. And the state was trying to implore people don't right. shoot it because it has a collar. Don't not shoot it because right. it has a collar. Totally, totally. We're trying to find out what kills stuff. Just try to act normal. I'm just saying, (laughs) if you're you're poking around
5: near the borders of Yellowstone (laughs) National Park and there's a wolf or a lion with a collar and you're the governor, eh,
0: I don't know. I could could see it. I would personally. It would just depend on a lot of things. Unless I knew what the collaring project was all about. Yeah, And and I don't know. I don't know what they do. Because a lot of times there's stuff that's wearing a collar that's not good anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't even care. It's like a, it's a collar from years ago. They haven't they haven't retranked it to pull the collar or put new batteries in. I, I don't know enough about sure. it. Sure. I personally, I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, at least three. Um, I I'm I like a banded duck more than the next guy, but I would not shoot a banded big game animal right. with a collar on it. Because it would feel like touched. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't feel it would feel like it had already been uh it, it's like less magical and wild. So if yeah. you, you call
2: in a big six point bowl and the Missouri River breaks and he's standing there broadside with your bow you wouldn't shoot him and he had a if he had a collar on it
3: big bowl Steve <laughs> big, <laughs> big bull. bull. big I mean, six point okay sure
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but let's say I called I, in three of them you're yeah. only human and one, and one had a collar yeah. and the bigger one didn't
2: my thing is like
0: <laughs> I don't know.
2: There's a lot of things that are like even sheep are introduced and they've been touched. Reintroduced. Reintroduced, excuse me. Um, you know, like in that population has been touched in a way. We're influencing everything, basically humans. I think just like like you said, just being normal and doing what you would normally do when you're you know when you're hunting, not letting that influence too much because mm. that study is very, That's a very, good point. That study that they're putting collars on, they want to see how many are killed by hunters. Just, I don't, we don't know
0: that. But you'd think, right? Well, in the case of this Florida deer thing, I don't know why yeah. this thing had a collar on it. It sure. might have been a mortality study. If it's a mortality study um, and it was a big tom, then whoever put that collar on it is probably glad. Yeah. They probably yeah. got their collar back. Now they know. If it was some other study, they might be like, ah, damn it. It's expensive mm-hmm. to get the collars out. We got the collar out. yeah, right. I, I, I just don't but know. in the
3: case of my sheep hunt, like I had multiple people that were working on these this herd that were collaring them and had just recently collared them. So the study had just kicked off. and they very, very nicely, but implored me not to shoot a one with the sure. collar on it because just because of the hours it had taken to get all that work done, the money invested in it, and in the end, they're like, "Look, it's your tag. It's not illegal. Ha- mm-hmm. Have at it." But it would be great if you shot one without yeah. a collar. It's very species dependent to where you're at. Yeah,
0: I, I yeah, I, I feel that, like this is this is a, in, in my mind. It's a relevant story because it's like you have a per like you have a person. He's in a high profile position. You have he. There's a person that enjoys going hunting. Goes out and does something, and nothing happens. Like he, he goes out and does something like according to law, and As set up by the game commission, you know, as enforced by the Montana state thing. And it has to be reported upon as though you did something wrong. And the wolf thing, it was reported that he did something wrong, but it was reported like he trapped. If you get a normal trapping license in Montana, it's just an over-the-counter transaction. If you're going to trap wolves, you need to go online and take a free, you watch this free online video. He hadn't watched the, he hadn't done the online video the wolf certification online video. There's no fine for it. It's a free video. He hadn't watched the video, was told to go watch the video. You'd have thought, you know, the way it was presented, you thought there'd been like some heinous violation. It was a minor violation. And then if you went and people were like shocked at at, at how low the punishment was, but then the wardens were like, no, the punishment is perfectly in keeping with what we do when you don't watch the video. Hmm. Yeah. You go watch the video.
2: I thought you couldn't get a tag... Now, like, when you're getting those licenses without doing, like, you got to do that video you first. You have to get it.
0: wolf vet. Va- no, that hasn't gone into effect yet. Okay. You'd have to get a wolf validation. You get the wolf validation by doing the free online thing. The guy had not done yep. the online thing. Yeah, I got it. Which is against the law and was called out for such. In this case, and I'm not, I'm not saying, like, I'm not serious. About he should not have watched the video. Of course he should have watched the video. And it's fair to point it out. But in this case, nothing happened. And it's this thing. It's like it, it's like this thing that like it, it, it's like a thing coming from the media where in, in certain circles, like if it involves Yellowstone and if it involves wildlife, it's just this 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 idea that seems to be growing and spreading that um, wildlife that state management of wildlife is bad and naughty and it should be managed by the National Park Service. I don't mm-hmm. even
6: know if people understand that. I mean, I totally agree with Yanni. I, I don't even. I don't even know if people understand it to that extent and they've made such a nuanced argument in their mind i think sadly there's it's it's not even that it's misleading and biased it's like i would i would really hope that various media sources can cover information like this in a more educational way so for example same story NBC News, Tim Fitzsimmons. The headline is Montana Governor Gianforte hunts, kills National Park Service tract mountain lion. Sure. And then you can go through his article, um, and it, it, it just seems to serve up information that is educational. I don't to even think that, that 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 uh,
0: that headline doesn't bother me.
6: Right. There's uh, a there's
0: a there's an axe to grind, but at least it's like. Yeah, I would give him like a a a a high, a much higher fairness and headline score. Right,
6: it's like what is information being relayed versus what is a headline whose language um, is just kind of twists or has a backstory or kind of colors or shades something in a way. It has a purpose. Right.
0: What else pisses me off about it? And I don't mean to go on all night about it. Day, it's just lit like night. Like I said. We have a lighting we, issue. Right here. It's all lamp lit in here. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm getting,
3: I'm getting like thirsty for beer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, I gotta go pick up my kids from yeah, school. In get get like two
0: hours.
6: It's Friday. <laughs> like no, it's not beer. It feels like a Bordeaux night. Come
3: on.
0: So, um, he also says that it prompting an outcry among environmentalists. Those aren't environmentalists what you're talking about are animal rights activists and I, I would really appreciate if people not confuse those two things they have overlap mm-hmm. they're not the same thing they're not, are at not all. the same thing
3: no All um, right. i what well, last oh. no but listen listen i think we it, it we do i would like to just point out that out of all the critters in this lovely state that we reside in the hunt in uh, there're probably none other that are managed more than mountain lions.
0: Oh. Um, yeah, it's so much it, so that I bet people don't even bother because they can't understand the regulatory structure.
3: Buddy, I mean, every morning that I go out to like even just go look for tracks, I'm going to check the quota in the region that I'm going to go in and see where it's at. Some of them are uh, like a total quota where it's like, yeah, 10 total can be killed. That's a high one. It's probably more like, you know, between five and seven at most. But some of them are like, oh, it's seven, but only three can be females. Some of them, it's completely opposite, where it's seven, but only four can be males. Yeah. And like, you really got to know what's going on. They're they're almost managing them like by the hour or the day, like mm-hmm.
5: that closely, you know? Yep. They're keeping such a close eye on
0: them. Yeah. Whereas deer, you go to a damn gas station and buy a deer license. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Even like bears, you know, over the counter tag here. You know, yeah, there's like, like one small place in Montana where there's a quota
0: and and they should especially not be hacking on I, I don't mean to be like all like pro Montana yeah, I don't know I guess I don't mind but here's the thing they should be hacking on this state because there's a lot of states that still run lion they still manage lions as vermin
5: mm-hmm. Texas I think right they
0: still manage lions like uh they have like no management plan on lions they still got like a kill them all that God them out attitude and this state for decades has managed them as a, like a tightly managed big game animal which gives, which is like way better for if you're if you like mountain lions, and you like what I okay, if you like hunting lions, you like seeing lions. I would applaud a state that runs them like a big game animal, not a state that runs them like coyotes. In a lot of places in the Southwest, they'll treat them with about the same. They, they treat them with the same attitude they treat coyotes. They don't track it. They don't know what's going on. Huge seasons. You used to be able to shoot like a, a female with kits.
3: And it, it, here's, where, it, here's where it all comes back around here's where it all comes back around i'm, I'm gonna get to that story because it's a good one you're gonna love my mountain lion story but it all comes back around to if we didn't have hound handlers that were interested in in mountain lions they're probably there maybe wouldn't be any not only in montana but in the park itself because as we heard from Jim Williams, go and listen to the podcast. I love it; it's one of my favorites, number one forty nine. Path of the Puma, Jim Williams, who worked for Montana State for a long time, a made pre- one of the world's leading exactly. large cat exactly. experts. Exactly, might not be anybody that's messed around with cats of all kinds more than he has. He said it in the podcast: if it wasn't for the hound handlers of Montana, there probably wouldn't be cats here. Yep. So all you people right. he, he, that he... get lucky enough to see one in the park or outside of the park or wherever. Thank those people that every now and then chase the hounds, chase one into a tree, and then ha- and then someone comes and kills it. More times than not, they get chased into a tree. Everybody looks at it, takes a picture, and everybody walks away.
0: Uh, to paraphrase the, the guest you're talking about, mm-hmm. he's not a lion hunter. No. But to paraphrase what he said, he's like, basically, I tread real light when it comes to hacking on a houndsman because it was houndsmen that were sounding the alarm a long time ago about the need to manage mountain lions. Mm-hmm. And and get out of the business of bounty hunting them, poisoning them, killing them. They were the ones that wanted. They were the ones saying, "Man, we got to get a grip on the program and protect lions."
3: For
1: Uh, for uh, for punishment uh, for this guy uh, having such a dumb headline, he should (laughs) he probably the thing is he didn't write that headline. Well, whoever did did the headline, they should be tasked to write an article for every elk, every one of Yellowstone's elk that gets killed. Legally in Montana every year. He'd get writer's cramp. <laughs> and then he'd spend the rest of his life just writing articles about people
0: shooting legal elk. Yeah. Every day of the season, he'd have to be like, hundreds of Yellowstone elk yep. killed uh, over in Cody, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. there,
6: there just needs to be a little bit more education in yeah. you know among those folks uh, writing headlines from the environmental and climate desk.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes me mad because I'm an environmentalist. Uh... I self-identify as an environmentalist, and I just, I, I just, it just kills me to see this framed in that way. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? A high-quality cut's at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com/meater. slash Make sure you use code MEEATER to choose your free for a year offer plus twenty dollars off your first order. All right, speaking of mountain lions, Yanni. Now we're digging in on Yanni here. Right, let me let me start with a. Here's I want to start with this question. Mm-hmm. Has play, Phil play the Mingus song? <laughs> Trampled by Turtles.
1: Mingus,
0: Mingus has Mingus. Um,
3: give me Mingus's current resume. He's uh, currently been under approximately a dozen, ten to a dozen. Depending if you count all all of them, but yeah, roughly a dozen uh, trees with mountain lions in them. Which means you have. Yeah. That's pretty, that's great. No, when you start to, you know, purposely pursue it, you know, more often than just once when you just were making a show about it with your buddy, then yeah, you start to see them more so often. Sir, are you beyond the,
0: holy shit, it's a lion in the tree! <laughs>
3: A a little bit, but not too much. Not too much. Yeah. Oh, you still get like a, there's still like a like, by God. Yeah. But I would say that the reason being that I don't quite, you know, I'm not as fascinated by that line as much anymore is because the attention of my dog, my dog's taking my attention. Mm-hmm. Because I'm there, I'm like, oh my god, my dog's there at the bottom of that tree. <laughs> and look, a lion! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's like, no, he like sees the lion. He's barking at the lion. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. And uh, but no, I always still take a few, quite a few minutes to sit there in awe when you get to see one uh, sitting in a tree. It's pretty special. When
0: I saw uh, one, it was like so snowy, you know, and like for days you're just looking at green and white mm-hmm. timber and snow, never-ending expanses. And there's the thing, like, the most alive, reddish, brownish thing that, like, has ever existed on a limb. Mm -hmm. And it just is burned in my mind.
3: Yeah. And you're talking about this is from the Idaho hunt. Yeah. Just to be like, holy
0: shit, there's a lion standing in that tree. Yeah. And I can look at it for as long
3: as I want. No, I mean, and just, we just heard how rare and elusive they are from, uh, you know, the the prior thing we just talked about, and uh, the, only, the only guy I know that's seen a whole bunch of lions and is not a hound hunter and doesn't really do that much is Jay Scott, but that's because he sits behind giant binoculars, right, for like you know, how many hours are in a year, Rody <laughs> <Don't ask me. laughs> But he spends a lot of them behind um, the glass. A lot of hours just glass and glass and glass. And that's how I had seen two of the three mountain lions. I think I had seen three before I started doing hound hunting and two were through binoculars and one was one just, you know, jumping across the road in the headlights. No, one came up to you turkey hunting. Oh, I know, but that was oh. after I started, you know, hound hunting. Oh, I got you. Yep, But, uh, yeah, you just don't get to see him otherwise. You know, it's a special deal. So uh your dog now
0: knows that that's what it's that at the end of this trail is that thing in a tree. Correct. But is it participating in the catch? Well or is it a
3: spectator? Um My friends and mentors tell me that he is. I'm still a novice enough where I think sometimes I have a hard time looking at the GPS and actually knowing. But like being with Bart George, being with uh, our buddy Jake, like they're always like, oh yeah, Mingus is right there. He might have not been the first dog of the tree, but he was there two seconds later. You know, like he knows what's up. He's, he's doing the job. And I think that I just, and that's why hopefully in the next week or two, I'm gonna do a, a little bit of hunting just he and I because that's we're sort of at this place for me to answer this question. Oh. I need to go out there, find the track for myself which is a big thing that I haven't yet to even do, is just like find one, identify it as a line, and then just put Mingus on it. And then just the two of us go and do it and see what happens.
0: In an area that's closed, when there's a unit that's closed because of quota, mm-hmm. can you run? Correct. You still can. You can still run.
3: Oh, yeah. till April, I think it's 14th or 15th. Got it. Uh, do, do, the, like,
0: do the people around you, if, if Mingus was never going to make it, um, would the people around you say that?
3: Yeah, but I think that most people would experience hounds, hound handlers would tell you that it's not the dog. It's just that you haven't done enough work with a the dog. They all have it in them. And the more I've done this, I've heard about like little uh, wiener dogs that run tracks. I've heard about labs that have been on a whole bunch of mountain lion tracks and in trees. Like th- you need to teach the dog what you want it to do. They all have these amazing noses and like you put the time in and it's going to happen. Jay keeps telling me it takes 20 trees to have like a finished dog. When when you, when your hmm. dog has been to 20 mountain lion trees, like that dog, at that point, you're going to say either he's got it or he doesn't, right? A- after 20 tracks and trees. So he's got eight more
0: and then you might be out digging a hole out back. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. let me ask you this though. Is it fair to say that, like, because you have kids and stuff, you were going to get a dog,
6: mm-hmm.
0: right? And you got a, a pound puppy. Yeah. And it was a hound.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Knowing what you now know, do you wish you'd just gone and bought, like, some, you know, pedigree, like, proven pound? line, like, it's 18 grandfathers
3: were all famous lion hounds? No, no. I don't. I don't want to say it's cheating, but like I've enjoyed the uh, the journey, <laughs> cheating, you know, yeah. with with Mingus, and so uh, and I don't know if I would have been able to appreciate it, you yeah. know. What's a good? What's a real good mountain lion pedigreed puppy go for? Like just raw I have, puppy. I have no idea, but I bet you could easily spend a thousand bucks. Oh yeah, Say bird dogs, yeah. you know,
5: like. And plus, man, if you'd have got one of those, you'd have had such high expectations, and that's what the dog was mm-hmm. for. He'd be out digging. Like you just got Like, like it's
3: just, uh, you know, it's everything's yeah. Great. Like Mingus ex- exceeds expectations yeah. every day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Say, not that I think this is going to happen at all, but say for whatever reason you get the twenty trees and he's just like not doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Would I get another are hound? Are you going to put him back on the couch with the girls and get another hound? Go get another
3: one. Possibly.
0: Yeah. And then we are you, into you're it not going to go down to the pound again.
3: No, 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 no. Then I, <laughs> then, then I would be mining all, all my best resources. <laughs> I would go smaller. That's, I mean, I, we love oh. Mingus in our house, but he's an 80 pound big boy. And uh, you could have, you can have two or three hounds that fit into the same package.
0: Yeah. You know, most dogs, when they want to know what's going on in the counter, they got to kind of walk with their nose up and they can kind of like, that dog just looks.
3: <laughs> he kind of <laughs> has to just turn his head sideways a little bit and that gets him the, the angle that like, he needs. oh,
0: that's what's on the counter.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but no, the uh, story I've been meaning to tell you, it's kind of funny, is over the holidays, uh, my sister and her family were visiting with four kids. Uh, my mom was visiting, so we had quite the full house. And a couple of days, we went up to uh, Disneyland, also known as uh, Bridger Ski Hill up there at <laughs> the Bridger Canyon. And uh, one day, as we're leaving, right around I don't know three thirty four, we start getting texts from my mom, and I'm not even getting them. They're coming. I'm read. I'm getting the information from like my sister and my mom and my wife. And they're like, yeah, your mom's saying that uh, in the course of the day, she's seen like a fox, a raccoon, and now there's a couple links trying to climb the fence to get into where the turkeys and chickens are. I'm like, holy shit. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's quite the You're wildlife Yeah, like, so exactly. Someone like, must have moved my house. <laughs> you know? Look look at us. We're, we're up here being dumbasses just skiing. We could have been at home. Time. you know, Seeing all this amazing wildlife. So- uh, you know, I, I finally get my mom on the phone. I'm like, okay, tell me exactly. She's like, no, I'm for sure. They had, you know, she's describing like rings on the tail of one animal. I'm like, okay, it could have been a coon, you know? And then uh, this other was animal. Was it one of those real warm days? Uh, no, no, okay. it was cold. Um, but the other animals, I said, oh, describe the links to me. She said, spots? <laughs> she said, no spots. So how long was the tail? And she's like, you know, a foot or two. I'm like, Okay, sounds like a uh, small lion, maybe, more than likely. So she's like, well, yeah, Mingus and I were out there, and he didn't even run after him. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh-oh, <laughs> Mingus got knocked down a notch. <laughs> so, anywho, we get home, and uh, I, like, I double-check again with my mom where everything was. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go look for tracks. So I go out there with Mingus and going towards the chicken coop, and in, like, seconds, Mingus is off like kind of where you where we cut down that tree not the two cheese together but the single yep. he's off behind the garage there down the hill um cutting loose like baying i'm like what the hell so i don't even make it to look for tracks i walk over there and yeah there's like a 20 pound mountain lion no up in way. a tree yeah turns out it was a pair and now i don't know what happened 20 pounds like little guys Little guys, but why didn't he want to chase them when he saw them? I, the thing is, is I wasn't there, right? So exactly. I can't for sure tell you that Mingus saw two small mountain lions and then just stood there. Maybe yeah. he did, and because I wasn't there, he didn't like yeah. think that that was the thing to do. It just doesn't seem right because no, that dog usually him. cuts out of the house like chasing after something before he's even seen it. You know. Yeah. Uh but anywho, yeah, I, and I can't. I don't know. I went to get a light. So we could show everybody a mountain line. Cause I mean, you could just stand next to the garage and see this cat in the tree. Huh. And as I'm gone, either that line gets down and runs into another tree or there's a cause there ends up being two. Later, like in the next couple of days we see two small, you know, kittens. But Mingus tree's another cat like a hundred yards away on that same hillside. So they, in, they, in one they, night they, he got two trees. <laughs>
0: yeah. Are those counted within the dozen?
3: <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. Um you think they got orphaned? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and whether it's by, we were trying to see if a female had been killed on the quota, like recently. Um, and I obviously called the game warden to see, hey, like, what should I do about this? And he pretty much just said, man, you got to, like, don't take any chances. Like, if you feel like you want to put them down, put them down and just shoot them. We didn't want to do that. We were hoping that, you I mean, know. mean, if
0: they got too crazy and we're trying to mess around with well your, yeah because yeah. they
3: hung out for like another 24 to 36 hours you know like we saw them i think two or three more times and i was definitely getting to the point where i had a rifle at the ready and i was kind of saying like yeah if they show up again like we're, i'm just gonna shoot them you know yeah. and uh and, cause, and they had
0: no interest in coming out and getting them no they're just like let it play out like whatever's yeah. going. yeah
3: well they did say if you want us to come and take care of them we will But that's what taking care of them would look like. Yeah, they'd euthanize them. Got it. Uh, But, uh, yeah, either mom got killed by a hunter. She could have gotten struck by a car. Sometimes they'll leave, I found out, they'll leave the kittens for days while they're out hunting. Then once they make the kill, they go get the kittens and then go back to the kill. Um, So we were hoping, yeah, maybe mom will show back up in the next couple days. But unfortunately for those two kittens, they went up and over the ridge and found themselves under someone else's deck, those people called the game warden. He came and euthanized them. Oh, really? Yeah. How'd you hear that? Oh, he called in to, to, he called me back just to give me the update. The warden did. Huh. Did they, did they show like any fear, you guys at all? Or, uh, yeah. I mean, they would, when you went out there, they'd walk away. Yeah. Were they, they spotted? No, they weren't spotted. But, uh, yeah. So, Uh, that's kind of a fun little Mingus cat story. We can talk about hunting cats too, uh, with Jake, but it's, we didn't really get to do a lot of cat hunting. It's not a great hunting story. Yeah.
0: No, I'm curious. Other
3: than, other than catching that big old bobcat.
0: Yeah. Which was like a big old
3: bobcat. Big old bobcat. Quick Um, side note. Have you seen that little, uh, viral video of big old bobcat and the kid saying big old bobcat? Nobody? Like YouTube? uh just google it and it'll come up it's (laughs) It's a kid saying big old bobcat (laughs) yeah it's gonna go viral now um i think (laughs) i think it already has but yeah the kid's like i don't even know if he has a bb gun he might just have a stick and he sort of plays like he's shooting his own house cat and he goes pew pew and he throws the stick aside grabs a bobcat who's ever running the phone is like what you got there he's like no after he does the shooting, he's like, that's what I'm talking about, old son. And it's like a four-year-old. <laughs> he throws the stick aside, puts the cat up on his shoulder and goes, got me. Old. He's like, what do you got? He's got big right. old bobcat. We're, cat. we're, about, to, <laughs>
1: here we we're about to play it right here. Yeah. That's what I'm
2: talking
5: about, old son. What you got there? Big old bobcat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's holding a uh, house cat. <laughs>
3: oh, man. Big old bobcat. Big old bobcat. Um, yeah, so Jake and I went and hunted, made an episode, uh, hunting lions mm-hmm. uh, in Montana. And uh, we cut tracks, unfortunately, where the tracks were, were uh, like it sometimes happens when you're filming on land that uh, we didn't even know we could have hunted, so we didn't try to get the film permit for it and uh we also had tracks going into private and we tried to get private access and it just didn't pan out uh so we didn't really get to run any lions on the trip but uh we did get to run this one uh bobcat track and unfortunately mingus didn't run that one because uh it was very deep snow and jake figured we needed all the advantage we could get and bobcats unlike lions tend to be a lot uh more evasive and they actually when they know they're being pursued by dogs, um, and this is according to hounds people that I talk to, they actually start to make evasive maneuvers. And I've seen it even with Mingus. The one time we did a bobcat, just he and I, I had a bobcat go into a tree and then leap so far out of that tree into the nearby snow that it took me you know, five minutes of wandering around to kind of put two and two together because I saw the tracks going into the tree, but there were no tracks leaving the tree. Mm-hmm. I could see the whole tree. I'm like, where's the bobcat? And then, you know, five minutes later, I see like a what looks like a little crater, mm-hmm. you know, like 20 some feet away. And I walk over there and there's the beginning of the track again, right? So there's an example of like yeah. what they might do. Jake's dogs, two of them run silent on track. Meaning like Mingus, when he's on track, every 10 oh to my, 30 oh seconds. My God. Yeah. Boop, yeah. And um, I like that.
0: I like that silent killer dog idea, man. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, back in the day before GPS collars, you had to have right. at least a, one dog that, that was loud on trail because oh, you had to stay with, your, there was sense. no way to stay with your dogs. You otherwise, never, you, you just, don't know where get they were. You to use them once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now you can have that because you can always see where they are via GPS collars. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, man. Mm-hmm. Like in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. You had to be here. Which I uh for whatever reason I'm a little bit drawn towards that. And the I've Silent met... Killers. No, no, no. I'm drawn towards uh for some reason, even though I've never done it, you wanna I, go old school, I, I'm nostalgic for like having to run, and maybe it's just because I, I like the physical aspect of like running around in the hills and having to like purposely do physical shit to on this hunt, which would be like yeah, you got to stay with the dogs. You got to keep them in earshot at all times. Mm-hmm. But I've mentioned it to both Clay and Jake, <laughs> who've been doing it a long time, and they did it prior to GPS. Oh, days. Like they actually
0: remember those. And they're days. like,
3: nah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> not interested. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they like it just fine like this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, now, when you get, uh, are they when you go to run a bobcat? Um, are they picking? They're Looking for a big bobcat, do they do they pass up small bobcat tracks or is it like any bobcat? Fair um,
3: game? I think it would depend. Um, but yeah, I don't think that uh Jake likes to kill like l- small bobcats that are like the size of a house cat. You okay, know?
0: so he, he he looks for a large track,
3: yeah. He and probably I, would, if he has time, I think he'd probably still run the bobcat because i think it's like really good training because if your dog can run a bobcat they can just about run anything Mm -hmm. um so he'll probably still run it and then just you know walk up to the tree say hi and walk away you know my theory is about that uh bobcat dog thing
0: um because on one hand you'd be like well how would they ever develop the ability to evade hound dogs but it has to be something with just the fact that all, all their interactions with coyotes and wolves. Oh, for sure. Just like, like they got like a they they get trailed by canines and have developed ways to elude a canine trailing them. 100%.
3: You know,
0: yeah. And it's like a thing you have to know or else you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Um
3: and so because the snow is was like I mean literally, you know, crashed to ways deep on us, the bobcat is specifically made to walk on top of that stuff, right? With with giant paws. These dogs are not. And so if that bobcat gets a head start, he or she can just take their time, you know, do figure eights, climb trees, do whatever they want to do. And the dogs are going to be post-holing and they're never going to catch up to it or put enough pressure on it to put it up into a tree. So he feels if you put silent dogs in there, when the bobcat knows that it's being trailed, Too late. It's the dogs are seeing it and they can immediately put that pressure on it and boom, it goes right into a tree. Like there is no... You know, there's no real chase on the snow.
0: Yeah. And then you don't like to turn out at night, right? Like, you kind of want to get going you can't. in the morning.
3: You're not allowed to uh, chase at night. Or oh, you can't chase at Mm-mm. night. At least not in Montana. You have to wait until... Same thing. It's like legal shooting hours. You can't turn out until half an hour before sunrise. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So that's like
0: a... Okay. I what, thought there was some, like, practical reason why. Is
3: that for lions specifically? Yeah, it could be different for bobcats. I'd have to check the regs. Well, because well, you, like, c- you can like
1: you
0: can like coon hunt, yeah, at night. Yeah, but also oh, you can't. It's not just the shooting; it's the turning out. You have mm-hmm. to turn out doing legal light. Yeah. Oh,
3: that explains a lot. Mm-hmm. That'd be a dirty trick. Yeah, and listen, man, this bobcat was so special. I've heard from a, a multiple people that have pursued bobcats for, you know. Half their lives that have never gotten a bobcat like this, like Jimmy Miller, who you know has a whole pile of bobcat hides in his house, used to trap them a lot in Colorado, which produces a lot of what he calls lynx grade cats. He's like, I've never seen one like that. He's like, that is a very, very, very special cat. You're talking about spots. its pelt, yeah, yeah. That the has the, and the size. But yeah, to have like a, a a belly that goes like almost up onto its size, and mm-hmm. the spots go like down the insides of its legs. Um,
0: I good, was, good I cats. Was... Good cats. I've been looking at the stuff. Good cats are still getting over. Some good cats are still getting over a thousand bucks this year.
3: What are you gonna do with that thing? I'm gonna make it into a uh, John Hayes taxidermy soft pillow. Mount. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. That'll be cool. No, I want. I've never done any taxidermy. This will be my first one ever, and I want something that is uh, very uh, approachable and like can be handled. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to actually take a nap on it and use it as <laughs> I <will>. a pillow. <laughs> I yeah, will. I, I, I'll I might. I'll go over there. Anyway. But like, I want it when kids come over. I want it to be like I, I'm. I'm not worried about it getting messed up. Like, if in ten years it's like worn ragged from kids and people handling it, I'll consider it a win, and I'll you know go make another one. Right. Um, I'm a little yeah. jealous
0: that, I mean, to be totally honest, I'm a little jealous of that bobcat.
3: What would you do with it if um, you had it?
0: Wall hanger, tan it. And just, ta- just trapper just style, put up the hide. Yeah, trapper style.
5: What about Mingus? He's going to be around that thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I training, know, boy, yeah but it, like, it don't smell right. Dogs right, don't care. Right. Dogs don't, I've found that dogs don't like to chew that. that like, our dog likes everything, but it doesn't like chewing tan hides. I think it just smells like chemical and yep. shit to them. Really? Mine's yep. the exact opposite. Like, he's obsessed with this Axis deer hide in oh, my house. Like,
4: we just really? basically had to give it to him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he just keeps taking <laughs> it and, like, dragging it to his spot. Oh, that's so, so weird. Like, yeah, hey, our dog yeah. won't even look at it, man. Yeah. He'd rather like, chew uh, rags out in the garage. Yeah, like, I literally was like, well,
3: I guess I gotta go get another Axis deer hide. <laughs> yeah, we've got a coon hide and, like, a couple coyotes and a fox, and he's never touched yeah. those, so... I'm sure when we first bring it in and that thing looks pretty real, like it's staring at him, he's probably going to have a little reaction. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's get into this Neo guy deal.
3: Okay. Now,
0: I hunted Neo guy one time. You were there. Yep. Uh, the whole conversation around, we should, first off, do you want to do like a little Yanni's book report about what Neil guy are? Giannis Patelis, the Latvianian.
3: We can, yeah, if you think that would be good. Like, real, real, quick, real quick introduction. Nil guy. Yeah. Nil guy. It's Are a you a, a Nil or
0: a Nil fella? Uh, Nil. Nil guy. Okay.
3: Nil guy. Uh it's a uh antelope species. It's best known for coming from India, although they it's found all over like the southern part of the Asian continent. Uh a little bit of fame in that. There's like more of them in Texas now than there is in India. Uh, probably depending on, you know, sex and uh, maturity, anywhere from 300, I mean, obviously calves can be little, but adults probably 300 to 550, maybe 600 on a, on a really big mature bull. Uh, there's stories of a thousand pound nil guy. And just like there are thousand pound uh you know, bulls yeah. running around Montana, which I don't think happens that often. Um but uh yeah um known to be very good eating. Uh for whatever reason out of all of the exotics in uh Texas, it sort of like sits on, on a a a, a pedestal above the rest, which I don't really understand. Yeah, the like same ranch sa- that
0: we've been on. Ranchers even say, like, down here it's, like, cattle are for selling, nilgai are for eating, yeah. and yeah. stuff like it's that. It's because,
4: that even though they're an antelope, quote-unquote, they're actually, like, a member of the same... of uh, They're a bovine species, like cow, like cattle are. So, it really has to do with, like, the taste preference of especially of Americans who like beef, who like cattle-flavored animals, and so
3: that's why mm-hmm. they're so much better. Yeah,
4: but the trophy popcorn. is
3: very highly sought after too for sure for, yeah for some reason yeah right. which is interesting
4: like, because i you know it's not you wouldn't i wouldn't originally think that would be a huge trophy for folks just because of the fact that yeah it's, it's not like it has
3: big yeah. horns on it yeah. and right next to it is standing a scimitar uh oryx Orcs. yeah which has looks four, amazing four foot horns yeah. on it yeah They're all curved and crazy
0: looking And there's something like the euro mounts uh freedom mounts uh there's something rather satanic looking about yeah it. for sure they definitely have the devil horn thing going yeah. on for sure yeah, I can't wait it's like to. It's like a heavy metal album cover or something, man.
3: I, uh,
0: we were, we covered on, we were, we covered Neil Guy real heavy during that crazy-ass Southern Arctic blast a right, couple right. winters ago. Yeah, hammered because it. Because they were, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands froze to death. Mm-hmm. They just can't cope yeah. with yeah. low freezing did, weather. Did you see any, like, impacts
1: from
3: that? No. No, I, I think that they're... Um, High fecundity, and uh, either they bounced back or there just weren't that ma- that big of a die off. They also felt that because they have um, low fence on three sides of that ranch, that any animals that wanted to leave could leave and maybe did, and then came back. Um, they've had that happen with other species too, when there's been weather events or like smoke or something that they feel like animals just like leave and they come book. back. Yeah. Um. So when we that was a good
0: little intro. Yep. When we hunted them there's a lot about uh there's a lot about they can really take a hit. Um you got to be very careful to try to drop them once they get in the in the brush you're going to lose them. They don't bleed. Their hearts in a weird place.
3: Correct. A lot of that. Yeah. Like, you're going
0: to lose him if you don't do everything exactly right. right. You go
3: online, and that was one of the reasons we went to hunt them on this particular trip was that it's kind of known as the the toughest animal in the lower 48 to take down. Super tough hide, soaks up the lead. Like, if you don't kill them out in the open, they run into the brush, you're never going to find them.
0: He's got, like, quick clot flowing through his
3: veins. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Um. And so, yeah, <clears throat> this episode that I went down there to shoot, uh, I did with a fellow by the name of Troy Fowler. You can find him on YouTube and Instagram as the Ranch Fairy. What does that mean? The I ranch. mean, right? It, yeah, dude. I, I told him multiple times. I said, <laughs> "Buddy, it's ballsy." So, like, and, I, and and that's a nickname that he gave himself to give yourself a nickname that has fairy included right. in it. You know, um, didn't we have this you know, conversation this about Nancy? last podcast, week? buddy? Yeah. Yeah,
0: we're no stranger to double entendres.
3: You got to explain that to me. Uh oh, no. it's not.
0: Well, people are like, good thing you didn't call it man eater, right? Oh, <laughs> just double entendre. That's all.
3: No, explain double entendre.
0: Oh, me saying something like, "Let me try to think of a good double entendre." Um, uh, you think of what feels good at this kind of stuff? It has double meaning. It has double meaning. So often in a sexy way. Yeah. And one,
1: one of the meeting,
0: <laughs> one of the meetings, meanings is usually yeah, a little risque or. Inappropriate. Mm. Yeah. Sexy. Right. So ranch fairy, you could be like, it's a person that brings magical gifts to ranches. Mm-hmm. Or you could be that it's a derogatory term of like a derogatory term for someone of a particular persuasion who's residing at a ranch. Correct.
3: Uh, <clears throat> he is neither of those. Um, know, okay. he, <laughs> so it's a triple hot <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he came up with a ranch fairy kind of like at home sometimes. Range? It's ranch. Ranch, ranch, ranch. Yeah. See,
0: then I started thinking
3: it was range, which made more sense. But go on. You no. Know, his family, uh, I think actually he married into it. Uh, and married into a big family that owns, I can't remember how big the ranch is. But they own a, own a small ranch in Texas. And... Um, there, kind of like at your house, sometimes where where uh, the kids might be like, "Wow, the house is always clean. Mm-hmm. I didn't clean it. How does it How does it stay clean?" And you're like, "Well, when you go to bed." Little well, shit. I stay up and yeah. do all the dishes and clean Me and your it up. mom. Run around for 30 minutes putting yeah. all your stuff on the ranch ferry or the house ferry cleans it all up. So he sort of has assumed the role on that ranch as when everybody else leaves and the good times are over, but the ATV is not running anymore and the one blind got knocked over by the windstorm uh, and the pipes froze. He goes in the around. House. And... Yeah, he fixes everything. The unseen person taking care of everything. Oh, I would never guess that. Mm hmm. So, yeah, me when either. you come back, everything's fixed. Who did it? Oh, the ranch fairy. I'm going to start being the shack fairy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or not me. I'm going to find one.
3: You need to find one?
1: I was going to say, if you're going to do that, why don't you stop in mine?
3: Yeah. <laughs> See if that fairy, ran- shack fairy can take care of two shacks. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, he volunteers with um, the Ashby Foundation. Mm. who we had on the podcast a while back, uh, Ed Ashby, and we talked all about, uh, you know, his. uh, I get the connection now. Yeah. About his, you know, principles of what makes the best, uh, most efficient killing arrow and broadhead, right? Which
0: might not be the most fun arrow to
3: shoot on league night. Nope. That's right. Because they're heavy um, and they have, uh, you know, two-bladed broadheads which sometimes tend to plane in the air more than uh you know maybe a smaller broadhead and whatever. So
0: lay, lay out really like just leave the neo guy thing for a minute. Sure. Lay out the um just do a not the, not a recap at Ashby but that that episode but lay out sort of the 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 emerging conflict. Like everything got light, like everything got light and fast mm-hmm. and
3: it was celebrated like how fast sure and how, uh, how flat yeah probably in like the early 2000s um i believe it was g- like graphite actually it was before carbon like and i saw it as a hunting guide it was a heavy aluminum arrows but nobody thought they were heavy aluminum arrows they were just aluminum They're arrows, arrows. that's what they were <laughs> yeah and it was either that or wood arrows well graphite shows up and uh, all of a sudden people started getting very high speeds of arrows I remember being as like a hunting guide. We would shoot a lot mid midday when we were not in the woods, and all of a sudden, guys started showing up with rigs where when they shot, you didn't even see the arrow in flight. It would just be like, and then the arrow would be appear in the target. <laughs> you <just> like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" You know. Well, um, those also came around came along with like really light broadheads, um, and even though they were super flat shooting, and like your pin gaps were super tight, and you could, you know they just don't have a lot of trajectory. Um, we, we immediately saw it on elk where we were getting poor penetration. And for a long time, we actually figured that we just had bad hunters. We just were like, ah, these guys like aren't practicing enough. They're not hitting them in the right spots. And we never really thought, we never really put it on the the equipment, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, like, I can vividly remember molt, like a right, half dozen elk that were shot in the shoulder and you'd get like, three, four, five inches of penetration, and you'd see him run off, and the arrow would fall out. And like, I, you wouldn't even bother to I go and start tracking yeah, it. I personally,
0: yeah, I, like, shot an elk, hit the shoulder one time, and as it ran off, the arrow was flopping, and it was just, like, cut a, like slightly lodged into the muscle. hmm You know? And there's probably, like, 100 things I did wrong. But, yeah, I remember that it was, like, a thing like, damn. Yeah. you think it would have. Well,
3: and even, I think that you were... I'm trying to think, were you shooting those full metal jackets I got for you on that Blue Mountain hunt that we did in Washington? Yeah, I was. You were. So you had a fairly heavier arrow. I don't know what By your broadhead point, was, yeah, was at the, full at metal the time. Jacket. Yeah. Um, probably didn't have as high of a FOC. Maybe is like if I had to build you an arrow now. And again, I don't know what broadhead you had, but like it was, even uh, that bull didn't go the G5 Montec. G5 Montec. Mm-hmm. That arrow. Only went probably halfway into that animal, mm-hmm. right? In the yeah. video, you could see half an yeah. arrow kind of hanging out. Um. Anyways, so yeah, we've had this thing where everybody went super fast, super light. And would brag about speeds. Yes, yeah. exactly. And a lot of people liked it for whitetail hunting because they figured it was a way to get around the whitetail um, ducking or, or reacting to the sound of the string. Which some can, I you, people,
0: can I tell you a funny story about that?
3: You sure can.
0: I don't want to name names here, but someone was, a friend of mine was. Not in this room. No, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) Building. He was out with a rancher, and the rancher's showing him around his place for deer hunting. And he's like talking about having a famous bow hunter. Um, out.
3: I recently heard this story oh, too.
0: And the bow hunter missed the deer and he's like, oh, he jumped the string. He jumped the string, you know, and, and the rancher very nonchalantly goes, but we watched the tape.
3: He just shot under it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, another thing that people are starting to talk about now too, is that people for a long time have thought that it's always a sound of the bow going off that the animals reacting to. hmm Um, but I recently heard a story about a guy that was in Africa and when he'd have animals coming into the water hole that he didn't want to shoot opposite the water hole, he was in a blind, right? So he's got a water hole on one side, but he's got windows on both sides of his blind Mm -hmm. and opposite the water hole, he had a target because he wanted to test this. Oh. And so he would, when an animal be sitting there at the water hole, 20 yards away drinking, he would draw his bow and shoot the target. Zero reaction from mm. These animals head down just stayed in the water, kept drinking. So, there's some people that are starting to think that it's actually the sound of the arrow coming towards that animal that makes them react, and it's not just the pop of the you know the cams and the string. Yeah.
0: When people say jump, this just so folks listening might not know what we're talking about, when people say jump the string, they're it's actually ducking, it's like an animal goes to load up to spring. Mm-hmm. So... It's it no gets, different
3: than if you're trying to jump up and touch uh, a basketball rim. You're gonna yeah, you go down before up. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You know? So he knows something's not right enough to where he's gonna get out of town. And and the time it, as he like gets ready to spring, and you look on that you know, people know so much of this stuff now just because you can film stuff and watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, his back. I mean, they drop a half body length.
5: Yeah, you'll also hear people say "duck the string," yep. like they're intentionally. Like he's like, like "Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah." But you watch; you'll, you'll watch. Like, if you watch the slow motion, his spine winds up down where his belly or where his brisket was. Yeah, sometimes
3: I'd say it could be a whole body. Yeah, you know, w- vertical width at times. Um. So, anyways, uh, Ed Ashby, we're gonna get into that real quick. He's I don't I don't know he's not necessarily the guy that came up with heavy arrows but he did a bunch of work in Africa and his whole re- what's interesting is the reason he was doing this stuff is not that he was out there trying to prove that light and and uh, fast arrows were bad he was trying to get uh, bow hunting legalized in the whole continent really there was a few countries that allowed bow hunting um, just because they didn't have rules that said you couldn't bow hunt. But most of the countries were like, no, you can't bow hunt. So he was like, well, look, I'm going to go out and study and maybe show you guys that it is a lethal way to kill an animal, right? So that was like his reasoning behind going and, and doing the, what he did.
5: So they, they were saying you can't do it because they felt like it would be dangerous for hunters to come there and do that, or they yeah, thought or it just wasn't said, or, Yeah, maybe it
3: wasn't just ethically you know, fair to the animal. It right. just wasn't like a good way to bring down an animal, yeah. you know? There's still countries now where you can't yeah. bow hunt. right. Um, so, uh, yeah. Cause sometimes I think he gets a bad rap for like, he's out there just trying to like destroy, you know, what other people have, you know, come up with these ideas that he came up with. He's like, no, I'm, I was just trying to prove that like, Hey, we could do this with a bow. And by the way, the results show that if you want to, you know, get maximum penetration, which he believes is the best way to kill animals. The, here's the setup that works best for that, yep. which turns out that it's a heavy weight forward arrow. Um, and to get weight forward, you put on a heavy broadhead and you put sometimes even an insert at the tip of your uh, arrow to more and drive, you know, or pull through, you know, that arrow through the animal.
0: And for these 50 reasons having to do with physics, Mm -hmm. this is why that is. Totally. And how heavy, just for a quick, like recap, like how heavy is heavy? Don't do it. If you do grains, tell people what the hell that means. No one knows what that means.
3: Oh, Yeah. I don't know if I can remember the definition of where grain came from. I mean it's like a it was literally came from like the weight of seeds way mm-hmm. back in Yeah. But how England. many how many
0: grains are in a pound? When it comes to when you're saying that you shoot a hundred and ten grain broadhead, that grain is a fraction equates to a fraction of a pound. Seven thousand
2: grains in a pound.
0: Okay. So seven thousand grains in a pound. When you're shooting a hundred grain broadhead, that's what they're talking about.
5: Yeah, let's I, see. i got
0: a math question for you, Cheddar.
5: That's right bra- Yeah.
0: You're shooting a hundred grain bounces. broadhead. What percentage of a pound is that?
1: Uh drop seven, some zeros. One seventh. No. No,
3: this I'm 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 doing a little a is little it? Well I
1: mean yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we can take that 100
5: grain broadhead be almost a couple ounces or a couple ounces right
3: no this is this conversion chart saying that 400 grains is is 0. .9 ounce. hold on. just pause all this Phil. <laughs> we've never done this so i have never done the conversion i don't know what the percentage is grains in an ounce of powder that's no different it's fourteen. it's it's 14% that's that's that's
0: so
4: the meteor math podcast is really blowing the oh, no, 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 fucking doors off. no that's making this. the show
0: <laughs> All right, so just to be clear here, a grain, like when we talk about measuring a broadhead, you, if you go, for for you people at home that don't mess with broadheads, you go down and buy broadheads, or you start, like, go ask them of your friends, But like, hey, what grain broadhead do you shoot? A lot of people are going to be like, 100. They're going to be like, 110. This is changing now. Mm-hmm. This is going to change. In the future, it'll be much higher numbers. But for the last well, bunch might, of years. it might be,
3: it might, might not be. But yeah, the common weights were probably... And Chester can help out here. He's, he, has, he's owned yeah, he 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 own a company that does sold them. him.
0: He does little, but he does toy bows.
3: No. no, but when you say the most common, were like eighty-five, 100, and 125. and one twenty-five. We're like the three common broadhead weights. Eighty-five, no, hundreds uh, for for a trad bow.
2: No, okay, no, no, right. no, no. I'm 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 speaking on what I know and what people use back in the day before all this technology. So uh, on, on like compound bows. And I love compound bows, but, uh, (laughs) anyways, they were like, typically you'd be shooting 125 to like 200 grain broadheads. Mm -hmm. Like even back in the day, all those older, but that's for trad bows. Um, but what,
0: here's why I'm upset. (laughs) If you went down to Walmart right now and they had one broadhead on the shelf, it's going to be a hundred grain broadhead.
2: And 125. There's a lot of 125s. Yeah, it'll be those two for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just trying to establish what the hell a grain is. (laughs) (laughs) What that means, what that means is what you're like, what is that unit of measurement? That is a very arcane unit of measurement that has to do with like grain, like cereal grains, I believe. And it is one seven thousandth of a pound is a grain meaning you'd have to buy 70 100-grain broadheads and put them in a pile if you wanted to balance it on a scale with a pound of elk burger.
3: That's correct. Good that's job, all. Steve. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the most common have been 100s saying. and 125s for probably compound shooters and, yep. and, uh, but now you're seeing a lot of people starting to shoot heavier setups. And the reason it's a little, uh, contentious, controversial, whatever you want to say, is, is that, yeah, okay, is that as it gets heavier, you get more trajectory out of your arrow, it becomes slower. And so it, you know, it falls out of the sky faster. It's not as flat shooting. Um, and, you know, people, for the last twenty years twenty years have been very accustomed to shooting fast things that shoot flat, and so it's hard to go the the other direction, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Even if there's a bunch of stuff telling you that it's gonna work better.
5: It's fair to say this kind of mimics like the same thing you'll see in rifle shooting arguments, right? Like oh, super yeah. fast, flat shooting great. little light bullets versus mm-hmm. great big heavy ones that shoot like a rainbow. Rick right
0: Hutton right? put it to me the other day. He thinks that it um he likes to read articles about this stuff a lot. Uh, he's like all that like super fast bullet stuff is all kind of like pre-range finder. Mm-hmm. That you'd have a gun that you could be like point of aim, four hundred yards.
5: Yeah, and scopes that you can dial into. Yeah, a and he's range like, well, and...
0: with he's like not with a range finder, doesn't matter anymore. Yep, you can just you can shoot a heavy bullet. And, and, and you just know what it's going to do. Yeah. And like, I'm the whole all, thing about, like, I can aim at it no matter what. He's like, uh, okay. Yeah. But it's looking how far away it is. And I know exactly what's going to happen. And and I don't need, like, the super light, flat bullet. You yeah. shoot a big, heavy bullet because you exactly. know where it's going to go anyways. Which
5: I'm all about. Like, shooting a big, heavy, for and caliber it's like best of both bullet world. is better,
0: you yeah. know? Anyhow. But the idea that you
4: can't kill a nil guy with a arrow that isn't 650 grains and total weight. Isn't true. I know for a fact it isn't true because I've killed one with a small Well, sure, right
5: but now. you can kill an
0: elk with sure, a two, four three, too. Yeah, 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 right. I can no, exactly. kill Brody with my bare hands. Right. <laughs> now <laughs> we're <catch> talking first. <laughs> All
5: right. Mm-hmm.
0: How many right. range are <laughs> those things? <clears throat> Gotta yeah. wait for the I next
4: know.
1: episode of trivia for that to happen. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I don't know, I don't know where the baseline, as far as like anything below this, like when you with rifle calibers, it's it's almost easier to know. Like, okay, we're now in the range of
0: unethical, maybe. Like when yep. you, mm-hmm.
6: well, i don't know where that's when I was doing this whole setup,
0: which led into this whole thing, I was trying to say that in my one experience with Neil Guy, um, and I was with we were with a guy um that guides Neil Guy hunts. Right, he was very, I don't want to say fixated. His thing was they just get away. They get away. <laughs> yeah. If everything doesn't happen perfectly. Yeah. And um he wanted big rifles, heavy bullets, close shots, careful shot placement, drop it. Don't let it get in the brush. They just vanish. Yeah. That's all. The yeah. same
5: thing you'd see in
3: Africa, right? 100%. Like, well, it's no I mean, I you can't, you're not going to meet an elk guide that wants something different. Sure. Than that, you yep. know? Um what Troy often talks about is I forgot about Troy. Can your can your setup handle what he calls like plan B? When the animal reacts to the string, when, because the human element is introduced, and no matter how good this technology gets, the asshole shooting the bow is still the same, right? And maybe has not gotten smarter, not gotten better. Uh, And you shoot too far forward or you shoot too far back, right? What happens then? Does your super light setup that, sure, like with a perfect shot, everything always dies. Yeah. Like right there, they just run off and die. No big deal. But when it's not perfect, what happens, right? And that's the same case for why people say use enough gun, is because stuff happens. And if you don't hit them right, exactly right, that bigger caliber is probably going to, you know, be on your side at that point.
0: My neighbor in Alaska, used to always hunt deer with a small caliber rifle. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why do you do that? He goes, because I hit him in the brain. You know, I shoot, and I was like, well, if you don't hit him in the brain, I just do. Was his. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: A good way to think about like that arrow bullet thing is like for people that may not know any of this stuff, is just like think about me taking a brick and chucking it as hard as I can at Yanni's head. Got it. Or grabbing a baseball and chucking it as hard as I can at Yanni's head. Like what's gonna do more damage, you know, and it's gonna be that brick. Even though it's going to be going quite Way a bit slower. slower.
0: Sorry, Yanni.
1: No. That, that's hey, someone's
0: <laughs> got to take a hit. Listen, it's experimentation. Yeah. It's Yanni.
5: So you're a believer <laughs> in that system.
3: Well, yeah, I, yeah. And I was a believer. I've been reading Ashby's stuff off and on because he wrote a lot of stuff in traditional bow hunter, which I used to be a traditional bow hunter. Um, and so I've been a believer of heavy arrows and those kind of broadheads for a long time. And I've known of them. Um, even before I met Troy or we did the podcast with Ed, you know, I was shooting like a 535 grain setup, you know, but I didn't have that, the high FOC. And real quickly, FOC stands for forward of center. It's basically like where you're going to, if you're just going to balance like on your finger, your arrow, if everything's equal, it'll bounce exactly in the middle. Mm-hmm. But the more weight you put up front, the shorter you know, the distance from your finger to the front of the arrow is going to become, right? to mm-hmm. so we could get it balanced. So the more weight you can get up front helps in penetration. And there's always
0: this like dubious physics involved in these discussions where if it's heavier in the back, it pushes the arrow in. Or, you know, I mean, like people say stuff that, that contradicts itself. Sure. Yeah, pulls it through or pushes it in. And that's why I'm so everybody's got like an argument, right? And and
3: that's why, like, listen, yeah, there's we're gonna learn a lot. We don't know everything at this point. There's a lot to be learned out there. I'm happy that the Ashby Duff Foundation and people like Troy are taking their own uh, free time and at least trying to do some research and and trying to figure it out. You know, because otherwise we're just working off of what you know the latest hunting host tells you what's great and what you saw on TV. Or you know, yeah, you, but th- f-
0: listen, man, let me tell you something. Those guys,
3: they know you can rely on. <laughs> <that> shit, right? Because <laughs> um, right? all, all of us in this, I mean, I don't know how many animals you've killed with a bow, but for me, it's been it's less than ten. Um, you know, so I'm working off per, limited personal experience. I've seen maybe another thirty or forty. You know, because of of guiding archery hunters over the years. Um, but anyways, I'm just happy that they're at least trying to figure it out. So, anyways, I shot my little guy, yeah, with a 650 grain arrow with this uh, 200 grain single bevel head, and um, I think if you want to know more about some of this, uh, you know, air technical arrow jargon that we're going over here, go and listen to that podcast.
0: So, if you want to check out what Yanni's talking about, it was episode 284, and it was called "The Archer's Paradox." for all things auto, do it yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's
3: O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. So do we cover off on why and the arrows enough for you? Yeah. Because I'd like to talk a little bit about the Haunting the Nil guy themselves. No, that's what because what no. uh, You know, when we went down there, your hunt lasted a total of two hours, maybe. And it could have been a lot shorter. Could have been shorter, yeah. Because uh,
0: getting within a couple hundred yards of them is not an issue, though they are generally aware of your presence. But yeah. with a rifle, them being aware of your presence doesn't matter that much. Right. I mean, it doesn't like matter
3: at all. Well, I... Wait, do you remember exactly like when we were there? Was it December, mm-hmm. January? Yeah, it was December. There
0: was like some some before Christmas. There was some grab ass going yeah. on. so it was definitely like pre-rut. Cold mornings, some grab ass. Uh, getting within some distance of them was not hard. Mm-hmm. And they would a little bit throw caution to the wind. Right. And when they saw movement, they would want to come kind of see what it was, but keeping their distance. Yeah. I shot one from 100 yards.
3: Yeah, we went uh, just after Valentine's Day, middle of February, which is known as usually their peak rut. Um, Jesse Griffiths told me the locals down there call them Valentine because they rut around Valentine's Day. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Um, So So I think I learned that and forgot it, but I like that little detail. We we were hoping for the rut, zero rut activity uh, the first four days. And ext- I, I, like, I was cut to the chase. I've never hunted a more skittish animal. Like, hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. We were getting busted at sometimes two, 300 yards. And like, they would eyeball us. And like, it didn't take long until they were walking away. And you but were, it, Is it because you thought it'd be gravy? Certainly a little bit of that. But I mean, that only. Look, there's enough game. There's no game way they're more skittish than a pressured whitetail. There's enough game. On this ranch, that you get a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Right. So it didn't take long for like think walking into it, think it's going to be gravy. For that idea to get blown out of my brain and go, okay, you better rethink of how you're going to get this done.
5: And your idea was you were going to spot and stalk, like sneak
3: in on for them. sure. Yeah. Because that's what I, 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 like doing in doing research for the hunt. It was spot and stalk them, sit over water. Sit a fence crossing because I didn't know this, but they don't jump fences. Yeah, Yeah, they go under them and bust a lot of fences, which they like. Um, Or they'll go through gates that are open. And then some people have had luck actually sitting over uh, dung piles. That's what. I, that's all I've ever done is set dung, dung piles. Yeah, yeah, with your bow. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, with they a, have with a, a ground of, blind.
0: They have a lot of fidelity to their little shitting spots. Yeah, They're kind of like lions. yeah. If you can
4: find a big one, like it's always been sort of accidental. It's like I, I didn't set out on a nil guy hunt. We were doing something else. We weren't having great luck. We came up on like a big fecal pile. Mm-hmm. So you know that's a big bull. And then we just changed the plan, set a ground blind, waited it out, and that waited
1: for
0: day. him to have to come. How again.
1: long did you wait? Same day, both times. So yeah, Hmm. but that ranch—it seems like the shit piles every ten feet. Exactly. What I would (laughs) do—I would
0: lace—I would lace some feed with a laxative. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I know I don't. I don't know what that would do for (laughs) uh, you. I think that might do the opposite. It increases visits to the pile. Oh, or they they don't don't make it to the pile
2: for for the dung pile too, like. They don't just poop anywhere. They just like you walk around and you're literally looking at little poop piles. Nicely, you know Yeah. It's great. Yeah.
0: Mamas do it. And you know what's funny? Is uh swamp rabbits.
3: Mm. But here's my swamp observation have, about have about, about, about the fidelity. dung piles is that Chester, I did when I started paying closer attention, we did find nilgai guy just dung or scat spread out like you would an elk. In like right. a feeding zone, it was just like, oh, there's been nil guy Got in here, it. and there's not piles. So the piles they, okay. themselves.
0: So they will go.
1: There's,
3: there's there's they vary in size, you know, from, you know, a, a big platter, food platter, to, you know, like a car hood. But what I realized, and again, it might be because there's so many of them on this ranch, is that the difference between one that's like a steamer as we started calling them, and one that's not, where you're like, oh man, someone's been here recently, is one animal's feces that happened in the in the prior 12 hours. So you can't really say, oh, this is the hot one right now, because if if the bull decides to use the next dung pile 12 hours later, all of a sudden that became the hot one. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm with you. So I never saw one where like, oh my gosh, it looks like five nil guy have taken a shit here in the last 12 hours. It was always just like one had refreshed, you know, had freshened it up. Mm-hmm. And it just was like, eh. Um if they're as skittish as a pressured whitetail. No way. Probably not. Okay. But go. I can tell you that again, I'll cut to the chase. I had a lot of these. Again, there's a lot of game on this on, on this ranch. We had great stalking uh spot. Still hunting conditions, mm-hmm. not spot and stalk. Just moving through the, the brush slowly, trying to you know see them before they see you. High winds, 15 to 20 miles an hour, making the brush move. Very steady winds, so you know you got the wind in your favor.
0: Soft ground in some places.
3: Yeah, very. And like... flat ground, which can be a little bit tricky because I'm used to hunting the mountains where you always have a horizon to work with. And like when you see something, you can kind of duck behind a horizon and make a move and get in close. Well, when you're hunting a ranch that is almost completely flat as a pancake, you don't have the luxury of horizons. And so you either have to use the vegetation as sort of a, um, instead of a um, horizontal horizon, more of like a vertical horizon and kind of come around corners and keep peeking around the corners like that. But Multiple times at sub 100 yards, 50 to 100 yards, when I went, when, when, and Chris Gill was filming with me, and both of us had decided, like, okay, we have to be taking half steps, like no more full steps. And once we get like sub 75, we're going hands and knees to get in close because we're just like going to take them, take ourselves out of that, like, just general view of these animals. But both on my hands and knees and standing there, multiple times in that, like, 50 to 75 range When I'm like, everything's perfect. The wind's perfect. Um, they don't know I'm here. Their heads are down. They're feeding. There's not a bunch of animals. But that's another problem. You get a bunch of animals. There's just more eyes you're always battling. And when you think nobody's looking, somebody's looking, they catch it, right? Yep. But multiple times, like one or twosies that I'm coming in on and I'm like, this is it. It's going to happen. Just half step. Half step. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't let your weight get over your toes. And just sitting there. And I had a cow just pick her head up, look through a tree, (laughs) look at me. And and again, it didn't last a second. And she booked. And I just feel like a whitetail, an elk, in those situations, if you are not moving. And again, Chris Gill could have been doing something behind me you, that that I don't camera know Camera guys man <laughs> I know but listen that they, dude is so that dude is so skinny Yeah and Gill knows what he's doing man Gill is one of the <laughs> yeah if you get after him And he's so skinny man <laughs> if, if he's his behind instinct me, is to not behave <laughs> If he's behind me it's kind of like a blind right yeah, If he's guys, behind me man. But anyways I'm telling you multiple times like lift up their heads for no reason I didn't pop a stick to be like oh I screwed up. I popped a stick just like standing there. They look up. I'm like full face mask at this point. I was stalking like the first six hours of the first day with no face masks out the window. I'm like, okay, everybody's in full camo now. We're covered up gloves, even though it's hot. Were you wearing like phantom jackets? No, okay. no. Had I brought one, I probably would have uh, it. tried it, but I didn't eat, I didn't bring one. Um, but yeah, man, just like getting busted for seemingly no reason. And a lot of shaking my head and, and a lot of frustration. And every and and you know Brad, who we know from down there, is like that's the way you do it, is you spot and start, or just you know still hunt them. You know, get on your feet and find them and get close to them. I finally said the hell with it. We're gonna. I, I found a spot, a whole bunch of dung piles, some fresh ones. We had every time we were in this zone, we were getting into Nilgai, and there was an open gate in a fence that goes you know miles in either direction. But here's an open gate. And looks like pretty good crossings. So we do the whole ground blind thing, brush it in like crazy, and we gave it a full dark to dark sip. The one you nil, did. the one nil guy that came by came by on the other side of the fence and just passed the gate. I don't know if she would have come through, what if I had not been there? Because as soon as she, but kinda, you were trying to get a bolt. I would have shot any nil guy. Oh, okay. Um, when she came by, as soon as she appeared. Like, there was kind of like a brushy fence row, you know? You could kind of see through it, not see through it. And as soon as she popped into view, she swung that head and was like, what is that thing over there? <laughs> and she was probably, I don't know, 35, 40 yards. Like, she just pinned us. Pinned the blind, not us. Like, we had a... In my opinion, like, looking at it, I'll show you pictures. Like, we had a good hide. The orcs that came by didn't pin us. The whitetails that came by didn't pin us. Like, the, the whitetails looked, but they would keep feeding, you know? Yeah. She... Looked, eyeballed us and just kept right on walking and was like, I'm not, bo- I'm not bothering with that. We saw a few bulls, but they were just out of range and they were, they were just moving a direction that wasn't going to bring them through that gap. So could I have put in three days in that blind and it would have happened? Maybe. I don't know. I didn't have the, the luxury of that because it was my second to last day. So even though it didn't work that day, the next morning, I'm like, okay, morning movement. I'll give it 90 minutes. See what happens. We sit it no nil guy come through, decide to get on our feet again. I'm like, okay, at least we're going to get some action and hopefully we'll run into some pigs. I'd like to shoot another pig. We can talk about that too. I had a blast hunting pigs with my bow. Like felt like a kid. It was, it was great. But immediately leaving the blind, like 10 minutes into it. And again, great wind. Like I bossed a cow pop out of the water hole, and as soon as I hit the water hole, and I'm like, not even like, I'm not like standing on the edge of the water. I'm looking at the water from 10 yards back in the brush, and I look over across the water, and there's three nil guy bulls looking at me. I'm like, son of a bitch! Mm -hmm. And they skitter off. I'm like, well, we'll just keep hunting, you know? Go a little farther, we get to the next water hole, we think we hear a pig. And so I'm like, okay, just totally going to pig mode. I thought I heard one grunt, and Chris is like, yeah, I heard it too. I'm like, let's find this pig. We're looking around, looking around, and we're like maybe, again, 5 to 10 yards from the edge of a water hole. Well, from over my left shoulder, come in in the open, uh, into this water hole, two uh, Nilgai bulls walk into the water and start drinking. The closest one's at like 50 yards. Hmm. I'm like, buddy, it's on. Somehow they had not gotten my wind when they came in from behind me. Now they're upwind of me. I'm like, this is it. I got to make 10 yards. They're out in the open. There's no brush in the way. Like... I can make that shot, no problem. And Chris is like hands and knees. I'm like, we're on it, buddy. We're already, we're because we were actually looking for this pig, so we're like on, like we're already down. So we start going, creeping, creeping. And then, but
0: you had limited yourself to a 30 yard shot.
3: 35 is what I wanted to shoot. So i you're probably going to be that's five tough. over in perfect conditions. I would have shot 40. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I just don't like the more bow hunting I've been doing lately. I don't want to get into those positions where like I make I take a shot and and it's not the outcome that I want. And yep. it just seems like I, you know, there's just too even if I make the perfect shot, there's so many other variables. You know, I want to make sure it does the trick. So yeah, 40 for sure. Um nothing past that. Uh so we start creeping and just seemingly out of the blue, the lead bull like picks his head up and it is splashing out of the water and leaves going away from us. Son of a bitch. And the other one doesn't spook, but follows him too, you know? And I I think now it was this third bull that I'm about to tell you about that comes in that got him to move. Cause I think he was a little bit ruddy, ornery, oh. maybe more dominant. And that's what got him out of there. So this wasn't our fault. This other bull comes in and he actually crosses a gap for me at 40. I come to full draw And I don't know if it's a nil guy thing or if he was running or what, but I got into the and I'm yelling at him and he's not stopping. He just marches right on through my window and follows the path of the other two bulls. So I just keep hunting. So I go across the opening, follow them into the brush and pop out into where it just kind of opens up a little bit. And you can see 50 yards this way, that way. And I see a single cow just kind of moving and she disappears behind some brush. I'm like, okay, I'm in the mix. And again, I'm shooting any nil guy at this point. So <laughs> I kind of make a move towards her and I can see like a pretty long uh, opening to my left. that's maybe 10 yards wide and almost can see a hundred yards. And right as we get there, three bulls pop into there. One is like, Kind of stuff that we saw when we were down there, all of us together. He's jumping around, prancing, tail up in the air, like just poop, like broadcasting out of his rear end. (laughs) Really? Yeah, which it kind of makes sense, right? If they're doing the dung pile as like a scent marker, it's like they're scraped that he's going to do that too in that situation.
0: So just blasting it out. Yeah. Like an airsoft
3: gun. The, the other two, we and Chris caught this on camera, full on head bashing, and one just pushes the other one like through trees, like brush getting knocked over to the point where I'm like, hey, do I want to get mixed up in this right now, <laughs> right? Like, Because the other thing that Armando, the guy, told us about was like, and it kind of worked on your hunt where like sometimes they'll think you are another nil guy oh, and yeah. sort of come and inspect you. And yep. so now I'm like, at, you know, whatever, 60, 70 yards. I'm thinking, well, are they going to like think I'm a nil guy? And instead of just inspecting me, just do what he just did to his buddy. Yeah. I don't have that inch thick hide across my chest, you know? And uh, anyways, it, it, like I'm like, okay, we, we have running nil guy. This is good. And so I kind of just stay with the group. Eventually get to where I can see like three or four cows in the brush and I see a bull walking there with them, a little bit out of range, still maybe 50, 60. And he I'd already seen him a couple of times, like follow them. The cows would squirt out. You know, they get a little annoyed by whatever he was doing, they'd squirt out. They squirt out again. I see right where they go. He comes out after him. As soon as he puts his head behind this kind of bigger mass of vegetation, I sprint up like 15 yards, come to full draw. And when he comes from out from behind the Brush, he stops just head and neck, I can see. And he must have just seen something enough because when he, he doesn't follow the cows now, he kind of turns away from me and starts just going away. And But he's quartering, but pretty hard. And at first I'm like, I can't take the shot. And again, I'm trying to stop him, but I'm thinking, I don't know if I can take the shot because he's quarter like just walking. I don't want to take a walking shot. But because he's so quartering away so hard, he's not actually, like I'm not having to move my bow to follow him. Like Mm -hmm. my pins are almost just like resting on him because he's kind of going straight away. And so I shoot at like 26 yards and uh, he was walking and uh, we replay the shot. I don't see him fall over. We replay the shot. The shot looks like it's a little bit far back. Like it definitely enters like in the guts and, but strong quarter. Yes. Very strong. Well, turns out again, I'm going to cut out some of the details He went 70 yards and fell over. And uh, I was, after watching the footage, I was going to back out, hook up with Troy, give it a couple hours and come in and try try to look. But Chris is like, ah, let's just do one quick little loop. I'm like, all right, you know, (laughs) twist my arm. (laughs) Uh, But no blood, and we couldn't find the arrow. No blood. No blood, couldn't find the arrow. And uh, I'd already So at this point,
0: you got that like pit in your stomach.
3: Oh, totally. I'm like not stoked on the situation. And as a, you know, as a hunting host, the first thing in your head is like, you start to like write the lines that you're going to have to say to the camera about how you screwed the pooch and shit happens and blah, 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 you know? So we recover it not long after. And, um, I was very excited. I mean, and surprised. Uh, I don't know if I would have been more surprised if there was a leprechaun standing there looking at me, (laughs) you know, but like to see that dude down on the ground now, when he again, animals make it seventy yards in like not even a full second, you yeah, know, so missing half fast. their heart. Yeah. Missing half
0: their heart they can go seventy so yards. You know?
3: Where he died, I don't know. Had he gone another seventy yards, it would have been a very easy blood trail because he had you know, blood coming out of his mouth and his nose. Um, it would not have come out of either of the or the one wound where the or the where the broadhead went in because it went in, like I said, Basically, in the paunch and went all like probably went through 18 inches of grass filled belly. Then went through the diaphragm, split the lungs in half, cut the uh, either the aortal or the pulmonary artery. <laughs> I, ha- I had it in a text, I can't remember now, but basically the one that connects the lungs to the heart. Mm. And then broke a rib on the way out, went through the shoulder meat. Really? And the arrow, you could just feel the tip of the arrow through that inch thick hide right here. There's your selling point for that heavy arrow.
4: That's...
3: So a little bit for sure. Yeah. Like we, we measured it with a tape measure. We were, we had the luxury as you know, on that ranch, you can get a truck pretty close. We had to drag him maybe a hundred yards by hand, got him into a truck, took him back hole guts in and everything so that we could really do full necropsy on what happened, you know, when that arrow hit him. And we figured we got somewhere between like 36 and 40 inches of penetration with that arrow um hmm. which is Jeez. pretty good yeah, yeah that's, crazy. that's great um like i said i think had it not been that inch thick hide on his chest the broadhead would have been poking out if not it had gone all the way through you know but it, it stopped it um but yeah so it worked well and it was cool because we got to dissect it uh troy has um he used to be a respiratory therapist so he is uh very uh Intimate knowledge about the respiratory system and how that all that stuff works. So it's cool hanging out with a guy that not only can just go, "Oh yeah, those are lungs and that's the heart," which we all can point to and do that, but how it all comes together and the different parts of the lungs and why there's you know three lobes of the lung here and you know Mm -hmm. da 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 and all that stuff and how come it's better to hit the lungs up front here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So yeah, that's uh, that was the nil guy hunt. Was it hard to drag that thing? I could not drag it by myself. I can tell you that. Yeah, like you not even it. move it for yeah. a, for a picture. And it, it took three of us, you know. It was pretty easy then. Have you guys uh tried eating on it yet? We did. I, I is ate I ate a lo- It is not well, no. again, it's just one piece, just a loin. But uh I felt like yours was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um yeah, interesting. Sure. I've been I'm I mean, I've I guess I've hunted no guy
4: four times total like only once was it a dedicated no guy hunt, but i've never had tough meat, and i've served them in my restaurants uh but it you know from broken era ranch these are still animals that are i mean they're in high fence but it's they're still shot yeah it's a few hundred thousand acres of high fence and they're still shot and i've never we've never ever ever once served tough meat and we're not we don't serve the loin we serve the legs, um, we'll and it's see. still super tender. Well, no, when we get our like, when we you? get our
0: Warner Brun what's that? Our I, Warner. I, yeah, Brun- <laughs> when we get our Warner Brunsler shear force test in, we're, we're gonna forgetting. bring some of that too. Oh yeah, you can 100%. bring some of yours in. I don't have any left of mine. I don't think. No, I'd like to bring. I in mean, a chunk I
3: turned of, most of yours into burgers. I'd that like that to bring a chunk a of, of my I or.
0: I got some Oryx waiting for dinner tonight. I love Mexico Oryx, but. I would like to bring a hunk of that and throw it on the old tester. My question for you is... We should have Chester did... run it so he can go back to being Chester the tester. Do you <laughs> want to be like the official <laughs> administer, Chester? I'd love to. That'd, that'd, be, great, that'd great be great. Because then it'd be like a great rhyme. Yeah. Then we, then we, Chester well, the tester. Then we only had to buy one lab coat. Just one lab coat for Chester.
4: I felt, I felt like the, the lab coat thing was pocket. sort of a selling point for me, So.
3: <laughs> um like are you doing like a um medium rare type preparation Super rare. W- with the legs Generally you speaking,
4: are yeah so we'll serve it as tartar a lot we'll serve oh, you it do. yeah um
0: and does that work that you can but is there something like uh it's it's like free range gun harvested or do they trap them no gun harvested but in but you're ex you're getting it out of texas into georgia mhm so you can do that. Well, I, I don't know if you could do it everywhere.
4: I I know that these guys at Broken Arrow Ranch can do it. You okay. know, they have they have that set up. But they're also so this is helicopter hunting that they're doing as well. Yep. So
5: And it's going through USDA inspection. Correct. To go to there's you. a USDA
4: processor yeah. on site. Like yeah. that's they process gotcha. USDA. So um, but I mean we call everything is harvested to order. So like we call them in and say, look, we're looking for you know, this is what we need. Uh, and then we have to kind of wait it out for them to go harvest them. With Nilgai, it's never an issue because the populations, as you said, are so huge. And honestly, they already they were telling me that they're running into issues, some sort of pressure from political pressure um, with Nilgai because of this um This like bovine fever tick. Yeah, that that. uh,
0: Yeah, they're doing that, and they're like trying to inoculate them with these sprayers. Yeah, and so it's like like what they
4: explained to me is that you know this has been a serious issue, like back in the early 1900s. Yeah, exactly. It's not that it it doesn't in any way actually affect the nil guy, the nil guy or the carrier. Um, It massively affects cattle. What's
0: the thing? Someone looked that up. It's a tick. It's called a fever tick.
4: Like they call it a cattle Cattle fever fever. tick. Okay. And, and I noticed, um, yeah, I know that that's causing heat between ranchers and Neil guy. Exactly. And yeah. it's, I mean, the issue is that in the early 1900s, Texas lost like 90% of its cattle population to this tick. And mm-hmm. that's why there's that quarantine zone in between the the Texas and Mexico border where they literally, you know, you have cowboys patrolling it every single day, pushing cattle back onto Mexico or keeping U.S. cattle away from that zone. Got it. But the Neil guy, they don't respond to bait You know, so you can't bait them into um, with cattle and whitetail. They literally walk them through a like through a tick bath, and that's how they deal with it. Yeah, we don't do that. We
0: covered on the podcast a couple years ago. I remember we covered it at a live show. Um, where oh, speaking of which, we're doing a live show in Billings. Couple months, May third. Can I talk about that for a second? Well, yeah. What's that place? Yeah, we're doing a live show in Billings on May third as part of the show during the whole show. Seth's going to be fleshing. <laughs> In his flip flops. See there you go. That's your double entendre. There's gonna be a dramatic. (laughs) There's gonna be a dramatic spotlight, like (laughs) like the most dramatic theater lighting you've ever seen. And he can't talk. Illuminating Seth's work area, and he'll be fleshing and stretching for the whole show. This is very. So if the show sucks, if the show sucks, you can just watch Seth for ninety minutes. And I believe I'd pay to to do that. (laughs) Believe you buy
5: a ticket, you're gonna get a copy of the new book with it. Yeah, tickets tickets. are bundled.
0: So it's that's like publication week of Outdoor Kids in an indoor. Yeah, if yeah. you need if you need a reference point inside world. Yeah, we we went back and forth on it so damn many times. <laughs> Outdoor kids in an inside world. That's publication week, May third, live show in Billings, and we're bundling tickets with a book, and we're going to talk a lot about that type of stuff. And that's going to gripe
5: about our kids and our wives sports. And- <laughs> that's going to
0: flash. I wish we could think where you had a little wood stove set next to you, and you could be burning <laughs> raccoon fat in it. <laughs> but I don't know if that's maybe I get the
4: fire department. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yanni, we should do a meat eater cooks with your no guy since, I mean, they produce a lot of meat, so you should have plenty. That's a good
3: idea. Yeah. I got a bunch. So
0: when
4: you, um, when you're selling it, what do you sell it as? Uh, we generally, we sell it, We used to write no guy, but then people, no the hell that well, they is. couldn't pronounce it. So huh. like people don't order things they can't say. They feel like they don't want to feel stupid. So yeah, that's why I always to pass up the gnocchi. Yeah. <laughs> so we just put South Texas just... antelope, like, and then we sell it that way.
0: Oh, really?
4: Yeah. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah, so you I know. Don't, you don't do cheap. a little parentheses. We so you know at gun show we go to the table and tell you. So we oh, say nil uh, guy, uh. but on the written menu it says South Texas antelope, and so we'll go, hey guys, this is the antelope. It's it's actually the animal's something called a nil guy, which means blue bull, roughly translated from Hindu. Da 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 da. We give them the explanation. So yeah, I'm with you. Sell it that way, with and people, it sells.
0: They fucking love it. They they lose their mind. Are it. you afraid about giving up your source because because no,
4: not at all. And in fact, I would t- actually because you got a toe in. No, I would I would bang the drum for those guys. because really? um, You like we them get, that much? Yeah, we get black buck from them. Uh-huh. Um, we get nil guy. We get... Um, what else do we get from those Hogs dogs from Maybe? them? We don't actually get hogs from them, but but we could certainly be getting hogs from them. Um, we can get fallow deer on occasion, on a rare occasion from them. It's just you know kind of a luck of the draw thing. They'll call me and say... Saw a fallow deer today. <laughs> like so that kind of thing. So um like I'll but, take it. Yeah, exactly. Do you, you know? buy Neil Guy by the pound? Yeah. It's expensive. Give me a rough ballpark. I mean, I this is the part that I'm probably like throwing them like throwing them under the bus Just here. Just give but, me I mean, a rough ballpark. It could be in the thirties and forties a pound. Okay. You know? So um, not that's easily. for the meat,
0: not live weight. Correct.
4: Go yeah. On. And I mean, we mistakenly one time bought a whole Neil Guy. That was not a good decision. Turns out that's really hard to you know, when you got a restaurant, you're like, all right, well, now the rest of the walk-in is just for storing this. Um, like um, those, Get the rest the of the food bone out. Bone-in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We ordered two sides of Neil Guy, and they were like, you don't want that. And I'm like, yes, I do. We process everything in-house. And they're like, all right, idiot. So they sent it. <laughs> um, and it also cost the, a fortune. It was the most expensive thing to ship in the universe. So Gosh, um, that, Now, we get, now we get sometimes bone-in meat, but we actually, we've just worked with them for so long, for over a decade now that they've gotten where they will kind of custom- Send stuff to me, you know. If I tell so, them this is what I want,
0: if I walk, if I was in Atlanta and I walked into Gun Show, uh, is it on the menu right now? Actually, it might
4: be on the menu right now. I have to look and see. We, you know, Gun Show rewrites the menu every day.
0: Yeah, I
1: just
4: so, don't know if you always got a thing no, going. No, we all we generally have some form of a game product at all times, um, but. I think right now we are selling feral hog because we just filmed Sabertooth there. And so we're still doing that. But
0: that's what, you know, when I, when I always talk about game and restaurants, I need to expand the list of things that I think that are worth recommending to people Mm. and, you know, rather than buying like, like all, like a lot of stuff out of Texas. Like I always think like bison is a great thing to buy because it supports the animal, not vice versa. Right. Um,
4: I think Nilgai uh, I should like, be like, I,
0: I, I definitely don't like the penned elk operations. I don't yeah, like the they, penned whitetail operations. Yeah, yeah, right, agreed. But there's
4: so many like those ferals out of Texas. Yeah, I think especially the exotics out of Texas. I yeah. think you really should, I think sh- more chefs should be using them. Nilgai, especially. Honestly, like Nilgai populations are getting super high. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people in power who want massive culling to take place. Um, if there was an economy behind that meat going to actually be used as opposed to just being shot and left mm-hmm. um i would that would be a lot better situation they're i mean they're going to have to reduce the population one way or the other and i'd rather people be selling them in restaurants
0: personally do you uh when you guys grind it you probably, do you ever grind it no we never do okay if, if you right, were grinding it, you'd put some fat in it, right? Oh yeah, yeah.
4: yeah there's it's just non-existent for the most part. The so any preparation we do is always paired against a ton of fat. So that's why tartar works really great because you're talking raw meat that's folded in with egg yolks and things like that. So it rich it adds that richness back to it. It's actually that's one of the best preparations
0: for super lean meat because it balances out that fact. Uh-huh. so did you save the hide on that thing? I did not. I I did, and I I wish I would have handled mine better because later I wanted to have it laminated to that. You know that how Brad has that one, It's like got that rubber stuff on the underside, and it lays out like real flat and beautiful.
3: Mm, I hadn't noticed it. You haven't seen that? Mm. Oh,
0: dude, it's amazing, amazing.
3: And what's so yours? Is just kind of wrinkly.
0: Yeah, I just didn't. I, I should have. I wish I would. If I could do it all over again, I would have gone in and skinned it very carefully and sent it to like a like a, a delicate tannery and had it laminated to that because the thing about those is they laminated to this rubber stuff mm-hmm. and that's some bitch lays so flat you could run a vacuum over it hmm. that'd be cool like flat um, I just found it dulls your knives, like your processing
4: knives, like crazy, because that skin is just oh, so gnarly. Oh, yeah. Man. It's crazy just, skin. Like, chews through them. Yeah. So. You get
0: on his flank. It's, he's yeah. got, like, a wild pig's shield. Yeah. And that crazy hair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's like which cutting... Which also, it's, it's like if you decide something. to cut a wire brush up with your knife. <laughs> yeah,
5: exactly. Yeah, Yonis, you should talk about that, yeah. that uh, patch that you... That patch of hide that's super thick that you post a picture of.
3: Mm, I thought I already did. But yeah, Not I'll, tonight, I'll, then. basically from Today. from uh, it. You know why you said tonight is because this room feels this like the evening. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, me and Yanni yeah, were I
0: here like together. It. I was going to start dipping some strawberries and chocolate. And stuff, <laughs> <man. Yeah. laughs> our track, our track lighting's out. We got some mood lamps going. Oh yeah, dude. But yeah, basically from I was like, Yanni, from the lavender like, candle really sets it off.
3: <laughs> from the tips of their shoulders, wrapping around the you know their chest, the hide goes from. It's still a dang thick and tough hide behind that, you know, going towards the rear of the animal, but that chest, it literally turns into darn near an inch thick. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a it almost looks like it's a layer of fat, but it's not. I mean, it's an inch thick hide. And best we can figure, well, there's probably two reasons. One, when you're fighting them sharp ass horns. When you're fighting with your buddies and yeah, the bull I killed same thing with the bull you killed. It, it had three holes in it where you could take your pointer finger and just and and jam it to the second knuckle in there, and and then you'd feel the end of it, right? So they're constantly getting these wounds. But I also th- somebody pointed out on Instagram that like yeah, they also where they um, are originally from, Bengal tigers chase them around, you yeah. know, and and jump on their neck. Yeah. So that could be a That's reason. That's their to have major a s- predator. You know, that might they be can- why
0: they don't. That might be why their radar, right. like. Their long-range radar is calibrated. The risk calibration is different than the risk calibration on their short-range radar. They yeah. also have not great sense of smell. I've always
4: been told, like, that don't really worry about the wind when you're hunting Neil Guy. Like, they don't smell that great. But yeah, it's just we, their other awareness. We were told is,
3: that, too. Yeah. I th- and I had instances where I think I, ha- I felt the wind on my neck, didn't yeah. get winded. And yeah. then I had instances, too, where I'm like, the only way we just got busted is because we got yeah. winded. So um, I was reading something a while back after the last Neil Guy hunt that I was on.
4: Um, about the fact that in India, you know, we call them an antelope. They consider them cattle, and so they're they're sacred, just like mm-hmm. any other cow. Oh, so they, they roll so them they, in with the cow. Yeah, they don't eat them. Yeah, for huh. that reason. That all of their pressure in their native environment was actually from colonialism, like from, you know, English folks hunting mm-hmm. them. so right? they don't hunt them. They don't do anything with them. They just let them do their thing. Interesting.
0: All right, Yanni, so when, when can people go watch the hunt, man? <laughs>
3: May of 2023? No. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? That's the schedule that I'm on. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm working to push that up a little bit, but yeah, man, this, this production house is a busy production house, and and uh, I'm filming a year out.
0: Huh. If Yanni dies, we won't even really feel it for a while, you know? <laughs>
3: Yeah, as long man, as you don't can...
0: worry folks, plenty of stuff coming. That's a very <laughs> half glass, full <laughs> way of approaching. man. Plenty of stuff in the pipeline. As yeah. long as you can come in and uh,
3: <laughs> you know, do my VO for me, then yeah, yeah we will be good. We
4: got plenty of time to find a stand-in. <laughs> <laughs> May,
3: like Wow. Yeah. Yeah, over a year. Dude, over a a year. Even, like we do not plan a... <laughs> I'm planning anything like that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're uh editing and and putting out season 3 of uh my show. Mm-hmm. Which will be out this May, and then. Uh, but this was already filming for season four.
0: I can tell you, in twenty twenty three, the last week of July, I'll be at my fish shack. That's about it.
3: <laughs> That's about it. And I'll be watching Yanni's thing in May. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah, my I think my the last thought on that, which was cool to hang out hang out with Troy, being that he knew the insides of the animal. He puts a lot of emphasis on that. Like we all should know that. And it makes total sense, right? Like, we all kind of know, like, you know where to shoot the animal, right? Mm-hmm. But Right in the old boiler yeah, room. Yeah, <laughs> really. exactly. That's, like, the level of detail, right? Right. And all we heard about was how their vitals were, like, way up front, and it's blocked by the big shoulder. Well, you know what? When we did this, like, side view necropsy and literally just, like, left everything as it was and took the shoulder off, flipped the ridge cage open so mm-hmm. you could see it all, but it turns out, no, it really wasn't tucked up more than an elk. or, or it's kind of, or, of where it belongs. Yeah, kind of where you think it would be. I
4: think that's I think that's a misnomer due to this whole antelope thing. Because something like a scimitar oryx, that's very much the case. That I mean, its its vitals are that little orange stripe on the front of it is where they all live. And, and if you shoot behind that, so you're shooting in front of the front shoulder. Like, and if you hmm. get behind that, it's just going to pass through and it's going to just, I mean, it'll probably die eventually, but it's just going to trot on away.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, just the importance I think that, you know, we should all take the time. Like I think now I'm gonna like neck crop see like every unless I'm just out of time and it's super dark, but like it's so educational to take the time and as you're butchering, you know, really look and see what happened inside there, what, what your bullet did, what your arrow did, and uh, try to figure it out. You know, and I just think the next time you take a shot, you're gonna be that much more confident about like, okay, I'm not just aiming for the longs, mm-hmm. I'm aiming for this specific thing.
0: Did you settle on necropsy after consideration of necropsy? I've heard it both ways.
3: Wait, well, I thought that long ago we were corrected yeah. to say necropsy.
0: I don't know. I think both are right. Yeah. It's like coos and cows.
3: Yeah. I still think that you say uh, bagel kind of messed up, but. Yeah. Bagel? How you say bagel? I don't know. You say it once. Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> bagel.
0: Bagel. <laughs> bagel. You, know, you bagel want a bagel? Bagel you're bagel. I can't do it. Is he saying it bags? weird? I'm not hearing it. It's, well, like, it's he's, Bagel. He's corrected. I think he usually is <laughs> a yeah, no, bagel. Okay. Yeah. He's a bagel guy. Yeah. Well, I know, but then I, yeah, I'm trying to get it right. <laughs> no, I would be like... Um, let In let that say, case, I'm you trying, just got to write it to, down and be like... Same i like this this like enter a very natural space. <laughs> I would bag. say, do saying you saying want bagel the bagel? Do you want the bagel? Bag. He says bag.
1: Bag.
2: It's definitely bag. Bag. Not
0: vague. Bag. 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 Say it once, Corinne. Vague, vague. I need to get one of those jobs where you pronounce stuff on the internet. Well, you just, re-
5: <laughs> you just, you just
4: recorded an audiobook, so you yeah. should be. I'll
0: pronounce it on the internet and I'll say it all a lot of ways.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give them three for everyone. Like, none of these are correct, by the way.
0: I'll, I'll start off and like, I don't know. You could say, Yeah, <laughs> I, these are all fine, they're all oh, acceptable.
5: You should do an app like Siri where people can just like down, you just record everything. It's like, people hey, can Steve. Ask you questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, How Steve.
1: How do you say? How do you uh, say? Bagel.
0: Necropsy. Necropsy.
1: <laughs> uh, before we wrap up here, I just want to mention that new Yanni's book report jingle you heard up top. which
0: I'm Oh, afraid. that was just sent in by some guy. Yeah,
1: his name is Barry Rigby. So thanks for writing that and sending that in. Is a musician?
0: He Barry. is. Yeah. Yeah, Yanni pointed that out to me. That was good. Yeah. Oh, next time we record, remind me to tell you the story about the fleas over at my house. Whew. Dude, my skin is still crawling. I had to get in the shower. Steve's getting, <laughs> him, getting himself in trouble. A lot of trouble.
3: Well, there's always no a reason we can't talk about that. That's where we're out of time. Oh. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Yeah, It's a funny story. Kevin, thanks, man. Good seeing you. Bye, guys. I'll be back in a couple of weeks.
4: We'll pick up where we left off. The fleas with the fleas. <laughs> well, yeah,
3: because I I had I had, a, I
4: had
0: a bite of your uh, you holy know shit, not, you nice to, to, not, that not ham? to go
3: to gross from from gross to great, but yeah, we should have done it the other way Wild around.
0: Wild hog holiday ham, yeah, Woo. like so, wet
3: ass, sugary yeah, ass, yeah. holy cow, <laughs> yeah, exactly. is that good? Yeah, so.
4: By did the way, say, those things don't taste good. Garrett, those things are in at Yeah. Did Garrett tell you that he <laughs> has an extra one at his house? He probably didn't tell you, did he? No. Oh. no. Oh. no. Thank ah, you for I knew, it. It. Dude, I knew, I knew I he was going to really. hold out on you guys. There's I a whole am. other ham at his house that will be ready to be smoked. I live right next door to
2: him. I'm so gonna... dude, I'm
4: gonna... hold his feet over the fire. On the 12th, he's got to pull <laughs> that thing out of the brine and cook it.
0: That was, okay. I'm not joking you. I hope Jesse Griffiths isn't listening. That I, might be the I'm best thing I ever ate. That might be the best thing I ever ate that came off a wild pig. Did you hear
4: that, Jesse? <laughs> Hold on. Let me put you on speaker.
3: No, seriously. I've got four of those hams uh, in the freezer right now. Awesome. So if, if you could send shit, me that recipe, that yeah, I, we filmed I would like it. to make it. We filmed that yeah. recipe yesterday. So, I know, I but mean, I like, can't wait six months to no, see but it I mean, on like, YouTube. I, I
4: feel like you could probably get access to some of that footage, but I'll send you the recipe. It's actually, if anybody like preliminarily wants that recipe, um, if you have my second cookbook, Pure Pork Awesomeness, it's in there. It's just not set for for feral hogs, but... You don't do need it. to. You don't need to adjust it. Like you use the exact same recipe, hmm. so it's in there. Oh. go get it.
0: Yeah, Is there good. still
2: some in the fridge? So I saw yeah, Sean there, Weaver. A
0: little little bit. Sa- Sean Weaver was sacking it up. Yeah. What? Yeah.
3: yeah. No, no, no.
0: As to, to, it, to put it away it and save some. Oh. So, yeah, there, there's a the I thought
2: he was like loaded in a sack taking it with
1: him to sell See, there, there's was, your, other, was, that's your lo- other double I saw him loading, <laughs> it,
0: loading it into a double, uh, like a double ziplock, kind of a messy double ziplock situation. <laughs>
1: he yeah. put it in a handkerchief and tied it around a stick and then yeah, like, it back like his, his hobo bindle. <laughs> uh-huh.
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I was planning to leave this afternoon, but it turns out you're going to go right now. See you. Bye.
0: All right, man. Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com, use code MEATEATER for a free hat or T-shirt, with any purchase of a shirt poncho offers free shipping and returns so you can try them out risk-free sport dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry the sport dog promise to consumers is simple gear the way you'd design it every product sport dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. I've used that sport dog collar in different temperatures. It
4: just doesn't stop working.
0: Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash eater to learn more.